Australia got to do with Coronation Street, Michael. Plenty. More than you I'm think. Not, oh, I, was, I was hoping at the beginning of the episode you could say, I'm Gemma and I'd be able to say, and I'm gross. But I wouldn't um, lower myself to such stereotypes. Yeah, so right. I'm not going to do that at all. Coronation Street has got lots to do with Australia, Gemma. Um, and we, we've kind of decided to do this because um, neighbours sadly no longer with us. Um, we The, the, the long running... Um, down under soap came to its end last week, and we watched the uh, watched the final episodes of Neighbours. We'll talk a little bit about that later. And we thought, in a bit of a tribute, we'd see what we could um, scrabble together and come up with to talk about about Coronation Street's links with Australia, which is more than you'd think, but still not loads. But we'll we'll see how this goes. Um, how do you want to get this started, Gemma? Should we just kind of talk? I I I kind of I was trying to find out like what history Coronation Street has even had. Um, on Australian TV, um, and as far as I could tell, and this is quite a good bit of trivia. This is this is just going to be full of little bits of you trivia, really. What are your sources for this? The internet. Okay. Yeah, but you also probably Coropedia and yeah. books and things. Yes. What book? You need to write all this down. You haven't done this. I got I, I got some of it from uh, from 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 Carrie Kershaw's biography. I got yep. some of it from Pat Phoenix's biography. Yep. I got some from just Auto random places yeah. on the internet. It's fine. People, people know. But I usually get my sources. Anyway, so Australia was the first country to buy Coronation Street. That's pretty cool. It is pretty trivia cool. fact, isn't yeah. it? Because when you think about um, Coronation Street's foreign viewers these days, it's the Canadians that um, that often come to the forefront of your mind. But no, Coronation Street was first bought back in by Australia um, in 1963. So only a couple of years into its run, and it was shown in Melbourne then for a bit, and then Sydney, Melbourne. Melbourne. And then Sydney in the following year in 1964. So it was all, you know, regional programming and everything. And, and Australia's a big place. They probably can't. It is quite big. Rather large uh, country, that is. But within seven months, Corrie was in the top ten programmes in Australia, which is both crazy and also really cool. And not surprising, because it is actually awesome. And by 1966, it was even more popular in Australia, kind of viewership-wise, than it, is, it was in the UK. So they really took it to, to heart in those first uh, years, trying Good to get for them. A, kind of get a taste of the old country, I guess, and seeing how <laughs> things how things were back in Pommyland here. Um, but sadly, um, the popularity of Coronation Street didn't stay in um, Australia for too long. In 1976, um, after a load of scheduling changes, and this is the kind of thing that often sees programmes get dropped, isn't it? They move yeah, them around in the schedules and they say, oh, no, we want to watch it anymore. Especially back in those days when you couldn't record anything. Yeah, yeah, exactly. So in, in, in 1976, it was, just, it was dropped. But then it was back on the air again in 1979, where they kind of went back to 1976 and showed Elsie Tanner's return to the streets. Remember, she went off for a little bit and then she came back again later. And I think it was the same episode that they used for um, uh, the Granada Plus starting off point in the late 90s as well. So that was obviously seen as a bit of a um, new beginning for Coronation Street for the, for the, for the schedulers there. Well, it stayed on the, um, some stations on Australia throughout the 80s. Um, and then in 1994, it returned to the Nine Network, where it, where it was broadcast for a year or so. Channel Nine in Perth, meanwhile, well not meanwhile, after this, started airing it daily in 2005. 
um, because they wanted, I th- it, from, from what I could see, it, they wanted more people to watch their daily news show. So they thought if they had a big pro- program like Coronation Street coming before it, they'd be driving more people towards the news. No, start a war. What? If you want to boost ratings for the news, start a war or something. Yeah, that's a good. Yeah, it's probably easier to to put a program on before it. But anyway, they 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 tried that. Didn't really work. And after a couple of months, they dropped Cory completely. Oh, really? Currently, I believe, and I haven't actually asked any Australian people to, to check this out, speaking of my sources, it now airs on um, Foxtel's BBC UTTV service, where it airs every weeknight, 7.30, and they're about a week behind um, the UK in their airings. It's going to be even... Well, how can it air every night at 7.30? No questions. Maybe it's on twice on two nights, you know, for the half an hour episodes. I don't know. We this don't is just know. what I've found. But, but here's, please do write in and correct me if I'm wrong, which is very likely. That is an interesting um, point, though, about how some people talk about or wonder why Coronation Street, when it has its two episodes mashed into one like we do now in the UK, so we have three hour-long episodes now. Mm. Why do they have separate writers? Why do they have different production codes? It's because they get bought by other countries where they don't necessarily want to put on Coronation Street for an hour. Yeah, yeah, exactly. So they can they can put them into nice half-hour, bite-sized chunks. I mean, it makes sense. I think maybe they do in Australia. I think the whole of this episode is going to be things of me possibly being wrong. So do write in your numerous corrections afterwards, and I'll, <laughs> I'll admit them in next week's episode. So um, there have been a few Australian characters in Coronation Street over the years, haven't they? Um, and I think the first kind of major-ish character, although it was only in a few handful of episodes I suppose was Ted Ashley back in 1964 and he was played by Gerald Wells Gemma can you t- tell us tell our listeners a little bit about this one because I think this is a character that not many people will know too much about well he emigrated to Australia after the first world war mm-hmm. world war one as we called it um, and then he came back to Coronation Street in March 1964 after that mm-hmm. and Martha Longhair's remembered him yeah, they'd been to school together, hadn't they? There was a there's a really funny episode, which is this guy coming back to Coronation Street and Martha Longhurst is like, oh, I, I went to school with you. Do you remember that? She gets, she fancied him. Yeah, she does. And she buys a tin of best salmon from the corner shop and invites him for tea. And Mina and Innie are... <laughs> Mina and Innie. <laughs> Minnie and Ina are really like... They know something's up because why should buy him best salmon and all this stuff? So they get really intrigued and they get invited along. And they all go for tea together at, at um, Martha's house. And he has no idea who who any who um, particularly Martha is, does does he? No, it's funny. he's like got he vague memories. Saying, oh, I remember, Nick... I remember you did that, and the, and then one of them would be like, no, it wasn't her, it was me. Yeah, he's he's remembering pranks that some of them did, and they were like, no, no, that wasn't. Me. And there's a really funny bit at the, at the end of one scene where he says, oh yeah, I do remember you. You were always really really meek mannered and quiet and, and mousy and never said boo to a goose and then the scene ends with Ina saying no that was me that was great <laughs> and was she great. like smiles doesn't she like <laughs> yeah. Um, uh, yeah I've had a bit of a personality change in the uh, intervening 50 odd years I like the way she seemed really proud of herself like yep I've I've it's me, the new and improved. I've blossomed since then, <laughs> Ina Sharples. So that was, a, that was a really funny scene. So Ted wants to go to London to visit his sister and he suggests Martha comes and so she takes out all of her savings and um, gets ready to, to go and he's like, oh, well, I was only being polite, I didn't really expect <laughs> really you to, to come with me. me. She's, got, she's really oh. holding a torch for him, isn't she? She's really a bit besotted with him. 
Um, Ina gets into a conversation with Ted and tricks him into saying something um, that she could pretend to construe as a proposal. So she's like... She, she, she says, oh, what, um, t- tell me about your home. Or what was it like back in home? And, and he says to her, oh, you'd really like the place. And Ina kind of pretends to take that to mean, oh, you're inviting me to marry you. Obviously, she doesn't think that, but she's trying to make him propose to her so she can make Martha think that he's a bit of a bit of a player. Yeah, obviously, she turns him down. Yes. But, but Martha's still not put off, and she follows Ted to London, but she comes back after a week because he's not interested at all, and he didn't really want her to come, and yeah. she didn't get it, and it was all a bit tragic. But I will say, if you don't intend... To do something with somebody, don't invite them or say you're going to do it. It's just rude. Yeah, yeah. Just let, just don't. There's no need to be polite about things. Yeah, and Martha Longhurst never really had many stories of her own, did she? She was very much a, a hanger-on for those few short years that she was in Curry at the beginning of the sixties. But this is a nice little couple of week mini story for her. That just kind of, uh, and and it was cool to to hearken back to the, the days of their youth. I kind of imagine little Ina, Minnie and Martha going to school together. It was quite cool. But yeah, Ted Ashley was, I believe, Corrie's first Australian character. Um, but that wasn't the end of Australia in Coronation Street in the 60s because there was also David Barlow, Ken's brother. Obviously not Australian himself, but he did move off to Australia. Did all of this get put in because they knew that Australians were into Coronation Street, I wonder? I don't know. That's a really good point, actually. Because if... Um, so when, was, when time, was Ted? Was it 1964? Yeah. So 1966 they, is when it hit, hit peak, didn't it? Because everybody loved yeah. it more there than they did here. Yeah, so, I'm, so yeah, Ted coming into Coronation Street the previous year really did coincide with... Um, I think it was Sydney, I said, picking up the programme. So it could have actually been put in to try and um, entice Australian viewers to watch. Oh, yeah. yeah. But yeah, nineteen, um, the end of the 1960s, um, David Barlow and his wife Irma move off to Australia because he's a bit of a football player. And um, but he gets, He's a bit of a football player he's a, or he is he's a, a football? Pro- Corrie's first professional football player. He is the James Bailey of the yeah. 60s, only slightly more interesting. And there's quite a lot of like regional teams that aren't Weatherfield... Uh, yeah, called? yeah, he was playing um, in Weatherfield Athletic. What is um, it? Weatherfield County is, oh, is what it, yeah. it's called these days. Yeah, yeah sorry. Um, so he got he ended up getting injured in 1965. He tore a ligament in his left knee during a match, and he was told you'll never play again. Um, so he ended up having to leave the club, and that's when he fell for Emma Ogden, and he ended up working in the corner shop with her. But he kind of got the football in bug. Um, again after a couple of years and started managing the local women's team Weatherfield Hotspurs so, If only um, he'd kept at it because you know that pays off eventually. Well there might be some lionesses that were made Yeah, maybe, <laughs> maybe, some, maybe some lionesses, grandmas or mums watched this and thought one day my children or grandchildren will be I think we can definitely credit David Barlow for England's win in the Euros. He was just a pioneer this of women's football. He was, he totally was. <laughs> um, but he ended up. Um, this this kind of led him into getting back into football himself. He, he ended up. In, he was like, "That's not how you do it." Let me see. <laughs> in 1968, he played his first match since the accident, and then he decides to go back and play professionally again, which Irma is not happy with, because uh, you know she's happy with him working there in the shop, and it, and he does she doesn't want to hurt himself anymore. And she gets so livid when he hears that he's been offered a chance to play on an Australian team that she slaps him round the face. But then she sees a picture of what the house is going to look like over on Australia and um, she changes her mind a little bit because it looks lovely. Well, she becomes uh, Corrie's first wag. 
<laughs> she was a proper wag, wasn't she? You're right. She's like the first wag on telly, probably. Yes. And um, she she kind of liked the glam. She wasn't a glam girl, particularly. She's very down to earth. Yeah, she wasn't she did, Ogden after all. She did like the trappings of luxury, because who wouldn't? And I think she took to it like a duck to water, but it was never her thing. No. And I really like that. I don't I don't know whether they set out to make Irma kind of unbothered by, by this, but she certainly, her, her status and her income was considerably more than most people. Yes, I think I think that's fair to say. And and it never kind of went to her head, which I like. Well, in the episodes I saw, maybe yeah. maybe that's not correct. Yeah. But. Well, um, here to put a drain on her income oh, that no. year was um, Irma finding out she was going to have a little baby Barlow oh, no. in the in the in the tummy. So um, she says, oh, I'm going to go over to Australia anyway. I'm going to I'm going to give birth to my baby there," which. Um, Hilda, desperately Hilda, um, Irma's mum, tries to stop her doing by sending the drayman, Vince Boyle, around to see her and scare her with horror stories about what Australia is like. Did, I don't know what this, this was. but did this put the Aussies off, do you reckon? They were like, well, screw you then. We're not just giant spiders and man-eating kangaroos. <laughs> um, I don't, know what, I don't know what it was that Vince said to Irma, but whatever Probably it was, it didn't spiders. work. That's, that's, that would all it would take for you, wouldn't it? <laughs> no countries where giant spiders can come and bite you in the bum on the toilet. Or the dunny, as they <sighs> call it you. over there. Um, anyway, it didn't work. Barlow's um, just end up rowing on their last day in the UK. <laughs> so um, David says, look, you're, you're going to love it when you get there, love. And they head off to Adelaide in 1968. Um, however, tragedy strikes, doesn't it, a couple of years later. Irma well, no, already has she, not yeah, been too happy like with life in, in Australia. She comes back um, to Weatherfield once or twice um, over the uh, over the following year or two, and she's telling Elsie she hates it there. <laughs> Elsie says, no, 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 go back, it's fine. It's Australia, love, it's wonderful. But she was right to be concerned about Australia because not only do they have giant spiders in uh, down under, they also have car crashes. I can't believe we don't it. Have that, that kind of thing that here. Don't allow we? it. No. Um, yeah, April nineteen seventy. Irma and David are in a car crash along with their poor baby Darren. Um, I can't believe that. David, David. Baby Darren is just, every time I hear baby Darren, it makes me laugh because Darren to me is a man's name. <laughs> the idea of a baby being called Darren is just so funny. We'll have to ask Darren Little whether he was ever a baby, weren't we? I don't if think that they, I, they just kind of hatch, don't they, they come Darren's? out as men. <laughs> now this was a brilliant episode, wasn't it? When the Ogdens and the Barlows find out about the car crash. Yeah, it's like a really sombre episode because, you know, these days, if you want to talk to somebody on Australia, you just get on your Zoom or whatever, do a connection with them and it's fine. But back in them, it was like very expensive to call down there. Well, you had to book that, a call, yeah, the time the difference. Time... Well, still time differences now. They had but... to like book the satellite dishes so yeah. that they could get the bounce the, the signal all the way from Australia and it would get routed all the different ways. And there's a bit where Emily Bishop's talking about, oh, it's going to be routed through London up to Manchester, like all mm. these different places. And um, they were just sitting around and they had to wait till like eight o'clock, didn't they, to, yeah. to get this phone call to and find out what had happened. It's a real kind of edge of your seat, um, you know, yeah, it's, it's really kind of yeah, tense. somber, tense episode as they're waiting for the phone well, call. Well, because it's um, the um, it's the, the Ogdens and the Barlows. So yeah, they're in got, the Barlows house, aren't they? You've got Ken Barlow, you've got Valerie, Valerie Barlow, his wife, you've got um, Stan and Hilda. And they're all they they know that there was a car crash and they know that the baby was in the car and they're waiting to hear who 
who's survived and who hasn't and and Stan there's a bit where they they talk to the hospital and the hospital tells them stuff and then Stan saying what's the difference between critic what's critically mm. injured mean what does that mean yeah what's the difference between critically and fatally yeah and, and Ken's like trying to explain it but this he's was, like distracted and this is before they find out what the what's they don't happened. know what's happened yeah there's and, also a bit earlier on in the episode where Hilda first gets the news and she was just like I don't want to know I don't want to know and she's like breaking don't the, tell me don't, they she, were gonna don't go want off, to know the news yeah. they were going to go to the cinema weren't they mm. Stan and Hilda and she was really excited and then yeah. she she gets this news and they yeah. sit and they wait and they wait and they wait. Doesn't and somebody else phone up yeah, first? Ken's like, I don't want to talk to you. <laughs> yeah, and then at the end of the episode it all comes through. Well, he that... listens to the phone call and then he goes, thank you very much. And mm. then and then it then Stan has to go. And it was really well acted because mm. they both were kind of... Like Ken was in charge and Stan was just like this big like man child wasn't he like very mm. meek and dejected and um just kind of like <sighs> he was just relying on ken for everything and he's not the sort of man who would ever defer to anybody I no don't but think. he also knows that he has to hold it all together for hilda as well and he does a does a very good job of that I well think. spoiler alert yes but yeah so they, they find out in that phone call that david barlow has been killed and darren the baby is in a critical condition and then over the following but episode. Irma's fine. Irma's fine. She's all right. In case you're worried. <laughs> um, yeah, Hilda's like, I, I need to go over there. I need to get over to Australia to go and to be with Irma and Darren. So she ends up borrowing £600 from Dave Smith, who's the local bookie. Um, and uh, she, she goes over to Australia. Um, uh, Irma's kind of... Uh, they obviously don't show any... Australian scenes or anything but she brings Irma back she's blaming herself because the kid, the two of them are rowing when the crash happens and um, yeah this, this is how Irma comes back to Coronation Street which is great she didn't stay there for very long she was only in it for a year or two after this wasn't she before Sandra Goff did her disappearing act <laughs> oh but, I really um, loved Irma yeah so um, not, not, not a happy story but um, a really really great a set of episodes actually um, and Corrie had wanted to bring the whole family back but Alan Rothwell who played David Barlow and is still alive and kicking today might I add yep. um, he was too busy with theatre work so um, they just brought Sandra Goff back and didn't so, even cast the baby how rude they went to Alan Rothwell well if you're not coming back we're going to kill your baby what do you think about that <laughs> he's like go ahead and do it um, so another Australian character that um, they had in Coronation Street was in the 80s now this was Ian Latimer who was played by Michael Loney and he was Bert Tilsley's nephew from Perth. So um, this is Gail's first husband's father, wasn't it, Bert? Um, oh, yeah. Yeah, 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 yeah. So and and then Ian Latimer was the cousin, and he was in a bit involved in a bit of a scandalous story in the mid to late eighties. So whose cousin is he? No, did I say cousin? Yeah, probably someone's Who's cousin. Bert... Would he be Brian's cousin? Who's Bert Tilsley? Bert Tilsley is Brian's dad. Oh, so it is his cousin. It's Ian, yes. Ian, Ian Latimer yeah. and Brian yeah, we, we were Tilsley, who is Nick's dad. Yes. Just a little bit of family tree for you, anyone <laughs> who don't know. It's a relation to Gail by marriage. Yeah. One of her marriages. First one. How many relations by marriage do you think that Gail has got? I hope she doesn't have to send them all a Christmas card. Well, you know how they say, like, everybody's related to... Um, Genghis Khan yeah and uh, 
in in Asia and everyone is related to Charlemagne in the in Europe. I think everyone in Weatherfield's related to Gail in some, in right. some manner. Well, not just Weatherfield. She's spread her roots to Australia now, isn't she? Yeah. Anyway, so he pops over to Weatherfield. And, in, and Canada through yeah, yeah, Audrey. Yeah, exactly. In uh, 1986. And he is immediately flirty with Gail yeah. Brian doesn't really notice to begin with because he's just um, impressed by how amazing Australia sounds so futuristic yes um, Gail ends up getting quite close to Ian when she shows him around Weatherfield and then when he puts the idea to her that um, she no, and Brian move to uh, Australia Bre- she's like yes please sounds brilliant yeah we'll, we'll go to Australia but everyone's charming like this there <laughs> it's quite interesting how many characters have kind of emigrated down there like the, the, when I was looking through characters that we could talk about today I was thinking didn't Martin Platt go to Australia but he was actually New Zealand but it's, so it's not an uncommon thing for Coronation Street Weatherfield uh, Weatherfield residents to go down there but anyway I digress so Brian gets called out on this long distance job because he was a mechanic back in the day so Gail ends yes, up yes that was weird he spent a lot of time off didn't he doing but he, he was stuff. also on didn't he work on the oil rigs didn't he work yeah. in Saudi Arabia or oh, Qatar right. yeah. he was there for a bit and I can't remember whether this was then but in any case Gail ends up getting a bit pally pally with um, Ian going out to dinner with him and stuff um, and he tells her about how he was jilted by his fiancée and then he makes a pass at Gail oh. before long <laughs> they've spent the night together oh dear oh Gail Miss Gail. High and Mighty she's such a goer <laughs> She's a proper goer back in the 1980s. Gail the goer. And I don't know whether, I don't know whether, um, remember whether Martin knew about that when he was having his little flings with the nurses at the hospital, but I'd have totally thrown that in her face. So, <laughs> not the only one, Gail. Yeah, you're not the only one who can get your end away. You might think the butter doesn't melt in her mouth these days. No, nope, but yeah. she acts mm. like it. Yeah, she totally does. So she ends up like skiving off work to see Ian. Audrey suspects that something's going on, and Gail's like, "Yeah, so what? Brian's Brian's had loads of bits on the sides. So why can't Why can't I have a little piece? Well, it's the eighties of Aussie action. What's what, What's the point of being a woman in the eighties if you can't have a bit of that? Exactly. This is like this is women's live. Yeah, right there, wasn't it? Yeah. So. Um, Brian ends up coming back and um, Gail gets a bit disappointed by Ian who refuses to carry on the affair with her she <laughs> ends up chasing him to the airport breaks down in tears saying please please don't go back That's to Australia and he's She's like sorry Gail she is a little bit wasn't she, she he ends up get hopping on a plane and, and, um, and, and that's it for him um, Gail says you know what Brian I don't want to emigrate to Australia anymore so I'd have thought she might have said no let's carry let's on go. doing it let's Australia go. I'm sure that I'll be able to uh, resume this affair with him but no she's she's too hurt by his uh, by Ian's rejection so she ends up staying in Weatherfield but she then gets pregnant Uh-oh. and that this is a, is this a common theme with Australian women getting pregnant in Coronation Street so um, it's, there's a bit of a um, who's the daddy story that goes on here Audrey writes to Ian because she suspects that he might actually be the father. And just to reiterate, this baby is Nick. This um, this baby is Nick, yes. No, it's not. No, no, it's not. It's Sarah Louise. Is it? Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Nick's... Oh, okay. Nick's already Nick's been already born. Been born. Yeah. Okay. And yeah. so that's yeah. Sarah Louise. Okay. Yeah. Um, so Ian comes back to Weatherfield she and could have been proposes to Gail. I know, but she turns him down. By this point, though, Brian's found out about Gail and Ian and he started divorce proceedings against her, so I can't remember why she decided not point, to uh, just go with him instead. There's no way to tell whether the baby, whose child no, the baby No, so, is. yeah, no, nobody knew whose baby It's only baby really it was. recently that they've even managed to do 
non-harmful in utero tests for mm. paternity for children. It's yeah. only very, very recent. Mm. Um, now, the baby ends up coming when Brian and Ian get into a fight. Ian comes round their house to say goodbye. I'm going back off to Australia again. Um, they get into a bit of a punch-up. Gail goes into labour at 35 <laughs> weeks, so a little bit early. Dramatic. Oh, no, totally dramatic. Um, Audrey says to Ian, look, you probably want to hang around because we can find out now whether you're the dad. So they have blood tests and everything. Sadly for Ian, or maybe maybe it's a relief lucky for Ian escape. to be any uh, lucky escape to be tied down to Gail Platt. Oh, what was she then? Tilsley. Um, it shows that he can't be the father. So he bogs off back to Australia just, and that's the last we hear of him. Can I just give Coronation Street uh, writers and storyliners a little idea here for a stupid Go for twist? it. I'm sure they were... They blood didn't. tests were wrong. <gasps> Sarah Louise has an Australian father. I heard Guy Pierce is free at the moment. Yes, good he can idea. Come back and be her dad. They There's lots totally of out of that. work Australian soap actors <laughs> available to become Sarah Louise's dad. Oh, but poor Michael Loney. He's like he's probably just sitting, sitting, waiting by he's the phone like, call. Any minute now, they're going to realise it could have been a mix-up at the hospital. They've done it once. They can do it again. They could totally do that, couldn't they? That Weatherfield General. I don't trust them with anything to do with babies' parents, especially no. late eighties, early nineties. They were all over the place. I yeah, think they must had, have been we drunk. Brian and Ali. We had possibly fake Katie who of course we're going to talk about later fake Um next one I've got Jules I Robinson just, sorry I think that's a brilliant idea do you not think that, that, that would idea. be amazing oh, I'm just imagining it it would be so great you go, listen and to I tell you and I want him to be a burly like outdoorsman kind of like Crocodile Dundee I'm sorry I know it's a stereotype but only because I want him to totally look down his nose at Adam and think he's a floppy little um, <laughs> bookie p- yeah. um, poly poo pants or whatever he wants to call him. And, um, a pommy poo pants. And then, yeah. And then Adam spends the, his whole time like trying to be manly and do manly things. And everyone <laughs> thinks he's an absolute loser and a weirdo. There we go. There's one for you. Don't you think that would too. be so much Put fun? Put that, that would give Adam and Sarah something interesting to do that isn't just... Adam getting mad about people wanting him to do <laughs> do lawyering and Sarah wagging her finger at people in the yes. in the factory. I love it. I love it. Right. So Jules Robinson and Kerry Fletcher. These are a couple of characters that only appeared in two episodes back in the early two thousands, and we've saw saw one of them on the DVDs, didn't we? Do you remember these ones? No, nope. I don't know who they are. Well, <laughs> I will tell you then. So Jules Robinson was played by Rebecca Ritters, who um, listeners might remember as having played Hannah Martin in Neighbours for seven years. So I think this is the only like ex-Neighbours cast that we've had come into Coronation so Street. So far. She, so far, yeah. She played um, her between 92 and 99. You were saying, Michael, that you wanted more immigrant families in our Australian accents. So we could not? have some people come from Australia and it could just be the... yeah. The survivors. Exactly. The neighbours' So survivors. Jules showed up with Kerry, um, who was played by Amber Sainsbury, who was actually a New Zealand-born actress. But hey, we can't tell. Um, um, and they're in Manchester. That's not straightly true. We, we, we've been talking about not being able to tell between Australia, um, American and Canadian accents on the uh, conversation. You can tell. Ta- there are some people you can tell. Yeah, quite probably. I don't know. Um, Anyway, they're in Manchester for the 2002 Commonwealth Games um, and Les invites them to stay. So they're basically just backpacking over here. 
and um, Les and Kirk invite them back to number five and they're just trying to impress them and flirt with them and stuff and there's a funny scene that, I, that somebody put on Twitter the other day which is Kirk sitting oh, on the yeah. sofa with his top off with a dumbbell going hey look at me and these girls are just like saying oh wow you're so buff how often do you go to the gym and he's like oh, <laughs> three or four times a week so they're basically just using them so they can have somewhere to stay when they're coming over for the games um, and they, they're the ones that end up seeing Norris um, punching tickets there when he's told everybody that he's a metal bearer and he's and he's working for the uh, for the games, but they, they don't do too much. They're That's just there link, for though. fun, really. That's a good for a link few to days. the Commonwealth Games, which is on at the moment in Birmingham. Yes, absolutely. Twenty um, years later. Well, now speaking of um, kids being born in Australia and coming over here, we also had Simon Barlow, didn't we? Right. Uh, Was th- he born is... in Australia? No, he wasn't born in Australia. Actually, that's wrong. He was born over here, but he moved to Australia, so he he could have come in with an Australian accent. Cause he lived there for like four or five years, didn't he? Yep. So he, um, Lucy Richards, who was Peter Barlow's bigamous wife, mm-hmm. um, he she had Simon moved to Australia in two thousand and three after she discovered that Peter was also married to Shelley, <laughs> and then she dies. Yeah, they're not very good cancer. at looking after people over in Australia. No, Everyone they're really not, are they? I feel, and then I they kind come of feel back a bit worried go, oh for Emma. God. I mean, we're going to get to Ramsey Clegg in a minute, but he didn't even get to set foot in Australia before they killed him <laughs> off. Go on, you, do, you talk about Ramsey then, because I know we've watched them in recently. So, we both enjoyed Ramsey. Ramsey Clegg, played by Andrew Sachs. Very, Legend. Yeah, um, Manuel in uh, 40 Towers. Um, and he was the illegitimate child of Eunice Cole, who was... Norris Cole's mum, yes. so he and um, Norris were brothers. Mm-hmm. I'm not sure if they have the same dad. I can't remember. No, I don't. No, 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 because no, she was he was I illegitimate and Norris wasn't. I know, but that doesn't mean anything. That just means that they weren't married. No, I think I can't remember. I think that just means both. they weren't married at the time. Yeah, you're back right, in you're those right. days, in these days, no one cares. Loose morals all over the place. Kids popping out left, right, and centre. Right, so so he was born in 1935, yeah. and she. So he sends them off to Australia, to Australia in well, shame. It was, it was, yeah, there were lots of children that got sent to Australia. Yeah, that was the done thing back then, horrible. wasn't it? So he turns up to visit her in 1960, but she's too embarrassed and um, she's ashamed of herself because mm. of all this horrible internalised misogyny and people judging her and, and things and she didn't want to face up to it. So she turns him away and then she dies in the January following and Norris always blames Ramsay for this because he mm. thinks that she, that he set her off, yeah. and that's why she died. Now that wasn't in the show, of course. Uh, no. Norris wasn't a character back in nineteen. We don't know about this month. until two thousand and nine, yes. when Ramsay Clegg turns up. He doesn't. Nobody knows this, but he has a brain tumor. He knows that. He knows he's got a brain tumor. He doesn't tell anybody else because he wants to make up with Norris um, before he dies. And Norris has got no intention whatsoever of putting the past behind yeah, him. He's been holding this he grudge be... for like 50 years. Yep. He's still completely mad. And um, Ramsey gets closer to Emily. And Emily obviously is very forgiving apart from if you murder her husband. She tries to get Norris she to agree to move in um, to a flat in Victoria Court together so they could sort of grow old together as brothers and Norris not having it he's not interested he no. hates this guy I really love the relationship between Ramsay and Emily because this is yep. like he was almost her last love or swing. could have been her last fling, yeah, I mean, yeah, yeah it was always it was a fling wasn't it I mean uh, Ernest well, dies when did Ernest die that was still the 70s wasn't it yeah but she and wasn't the last one was he 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 wasn't. I mean, she she had a few other guys after them, Arnold Swain, and then um, what was the vicar called? Bernard, I think. But none of them really went anywhere. 
and uh, this is her last chance at happiness. So it, when Norris... It wasn't overtly romantic, though, was it? It was like, it's sort like, of, it could, let's it could be companions. Be. Yeah, we could, this could be something more, but... He couldn't bear to be around Norris when Norris wouldn't forgive him. And Emily was furious, really, because yeah. um, it, Norris not only ruined Ramsay's chance for happiness, but also hers, mm. in, in a sense. Yeah. Um, a- Emily was furious with Norris. Um, anyway, so Ramsay flies back to Australia, but he dies on the plane. Mm, that's sad. That's uh, the, the scene where he gets into the taxi and Emily's just like crying to see him go. It's just like, ad. I know. Norris is like, whatever, don't even care. But he goes to see his mother's grave and he finds a touching message that Ramsay had left before he went. And he also gets the trunk of Ramsay's possessions sent to him. And there's, oh, it's so sad, there's like a boomerang there that when he was a kid he wanted to give to Norris, mm. like 50 years before, and loads of letters that Ramsay had written to their mother who refused to see him again and again. And it proved that Ramsay was in no way at fault for any of this. And mm. he tried his best to be a good son and a good brother. Yeah. And he'd been rejected by both Norris and his mum. I think this is... Yeah. Ramsay Clegg's story is probably it's the most really tragic story. I'm trying to think of a it? more tragic story. <laughs> well, they, this was a really good use in one of the episodes as well of um, in-universe in music as well, wasn't it? The non-diegetic music because... Or was it, was it in... No, I can't remember, because they play Waltzing Matilda. I think it starts off with um, Emily maybe putting the record of Waltzing Matilda on. Well, he left when... it, it as yes, like a, that's a right. joke, didn't he? He said, this is kind of funny, but um, it, yeah. I like it. But then it's really tragic, as it plays over the final scenes of the episode, um, and that includes Norris going to see his mum's grave, and it was it was just so sad, and he and he's there at his mum's grave, he sees that Ramsay's left a bunch of flowers and a note for her and everything, and it's just Norris realising what an ass he's been. And, and this was after he found out that Ramsay had died as well, so it was too late to, to make amends with his brother. It was so, so well done. Absolutely loved it. And I liked it too, because they didn't try to sort of soft-shoe it or, like, make Norris, oh, you know, oh, it, he it was all a misunderstanding or something. No, Norris was just an asshole, And um, he was a character that some people liked or liked to hate him, didn't mm. they? So I, I think that... he was He was always forgiven. But he was, yeah, definitely. His they they, weren't, they weren't shy about making him kind of the nasty. Villain. Yeah. yeah, yeah. But um, we 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 hear again about Ramsay in two thousand and fourteen because Norris gets a telescope in the post from him um, after it had kind of been redirected around the world for many many years, and I think that's what ties into the um, the story of. Um, seeing Blanche's ghost on a tablet or something. I can't remember how it, how it died in. But anyway, so Ramsay was an absolutely great character. Less beloved from the Coronation Street fandom is Hannah fake Katie Gilmore, who was <laughs> played by Hannah Ellis Ryan. And if you want an example of how um, 2018's Coronation Street wasn't the most um, popular of years among the viewing fan, the viewing um Coronation Street viewers, then you need to look no further than this. Uh, Jim McDonald is an absolute Corrie legend, isn't he? And when he was um, shipped off to jail in the early 2000s after um, being responsible for Jez Quigley's death, everyone always loved it when he made his appearances every couple of years. And he's a real kind of go off for a few years, come back, go off, come back. And it would always be a little treat when Jim McDonald returned to the programme. He hasn't been seen since this story. And um, <laughs> I, I think it would be a shame if this was his final um, appearance, but um, it certainly really did a number on him. So basically the story went was that he, I mean, he's out of prison and everything by this point. Um, but the last time we'd seen him before it, he was in prison and 
uh, Liz and Steve, um, wife and son, had kind of abandoned him there basically because he tried to trick them. So he comes back to Coronation Street in 2018, hell-bent on revenge. However, his plan is that he's going to con Liz into thinking that this Hannah, with an Australian accent, is actually um, their dead baby. Well, the baby that died in Coronation Street in the early 90s. Yeah. After a few days of uh, after birth, wasn't wasn't she? Yeah. And um, and 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 like we said earlier, there was a bit of a mix. There was a bit of a mix up in the uh, old <laughs> Weatherfield General around this time. So so Liz is led to believe that this that this is their daughter. It was mixed up, shipped off shipped off to Australia, and now she's come back. Um, whereas what has actually happened is that Hannah had written to Jim in prison under one of these Pen befriend and inmate schemes. Yep. She'd got a bit besotted with him. And, um, and they concocted this plan together. So um, Liz at first refuses to believe that this, uh, this Australian bird could possibly be their dead baby. But when she sees a birthmark on her, that's all the convincing she needs. And it turns out that, that Hannah has been applying this birthmark with makeup. But what? does the job Who for would Liz. lie? I know. So Hannah convinces Liz that, like Jim, she's suffering from this rare genetic disease that, that Jim's got. And she needs money to go to, Aust- uh, not to Australia, to America <laughs> for treatment for yeah. it. Um, so there's there's stories about Liz trying to get get together money to, to, to pay what, what she apparently needs. Now, Jim, meanwhile, is really struggling with this con. He, thinks it, he thought it was a good idea at first, but um, he, he just can't put his feelings towards Liz to one side. Well, they kind of concocted it as this weird kind of twisted revenge, because Hannah really hates Liz, mm. because she knows how much Jim loves her. Yeah. And Jim has kind of been stewing in prison about about Liz and how he's she, she's abandoned him. Yeah. So they kind of like decide between the two of them that Liz deserves to pay mm. for her crimes. Yeah, but once Liz, Jim actually gets going with it, he's like, oh no, I'm not I really up to at, this. I can't. She's so beautiful with her zigzag necklace and her <laughs> crunchy hair. <laughs> so he decides to extort the money from Johnny Connor instead. Um, who, He's not going to need it. Well, Lim- Jim had found out <laughs> that Johnny had had a one-night stand with Liz behind Jenny's back oh, not yeah. long beforehand. Um, so, um, eventually, um, Hannah gets caught out because Kirk, of all people, inadvertently ends up filming her collecting a bag of blackmail money from Victoria Gardens. <laughs> Johnny shows Liz the footage of this. She's like, And what? she realises that she's been conned. I don't understand why you can't just cart around money for Amer- no. American medical expenses in holdalls. <laughs> I'm sure that's how they pay for it in America. Is somebody write in and let us know? <laughs> Do you not just turn up to the hospital with a big sack of cash big and big go, bag, I'm ill. <laughs> so Liz confronts Hannah about this, but Hannah says, "Look, I was I was just blackmailing Johnny because I was teaching him a lesson for teach for cheating on Jenny. That's all." Oh, okay. Um, which Liz, got, I think she believes it for a little bit, but um, she ends up finding the real truth about how sordid this whole matter was when she walks in on Jim and Hannah snogging in the loose. Um, right. I think it was during Stephen Tracy's wedding, possibly. Um, Liz is absolutely disgusted because obviously up to this point she was led to believe that Hannah was her and Jim's daughter and now she's found Jim snog in the face of her. Grace. And um, there's an amazing confrontation scene between Jim and um, Liz at baby Katie's graveside at St Mary's Church where she pushes him down on the floor and she's like, how, how could you? This is disgusting. I don't want anything to do with you anymore. Um, Jim kind of goes off ashamed, but on his way 
doesn't he? He ends up just hopping into a taxi with Hannah, doesn't he? Um, which I did not like that they did because I thought that the whole story was just kind of very grubby. It was quite disrespectful of um, a really Everything. powerful story <laughs> in the early nineties. And I thought, but by the towards the end, I was thinking, well, Jim's changed his mind. He's seen the light. He's realised he does love Liz. Okay, but then to have him kind of go off with his tail between his legs in the taxi with Hannah, that didn't sit right with me. And I think we hear. Um, a couple of months later that they get arrested but then are released or whatever and and that's kind of where the Jim story has been left as far as we know he's still knocking about with this Sheila um, and um, and you know and, and that's a bit of a tragic ending and and, th- and now that Liz isn't in the program either I don't know whether we are going to see Jim again because we kind of wanted him to come back come and say back. sorry so do a final reunion, a bit like Tyrone has with yeah, with but his. as long as Steve's in the program, there's always there's always room for Jim as long as Steve's there. But yeah, with Liz not being around, it's it's a bit less likely. So um yeah, that that was evil Australian Hannah, um and uh, that's uh-huh. what she she was the, the last Australian character I believe we had in the show. The the show the the um, Australia did get a bit of a mention earlier this year, didn't it? Another stupid storyline. <laughs> um, <laughs> Is there a running theme with Australia's storylines are a little bit silly? And well, crying. I think Pumps it's just a running one. Coronation Street storyline of things are a bit silly sometimes. <laughs> Emma Brooker, lovely Emma. Now, um, she's moved to Australia with her mum Fiona yeah, at some she point little. when she was little, but she didn't stay very long. She came back to the UK and she went to Weatherfield High. And then um, in 2022, so the beginning of this year, um, she runs someone over and kills them because she was drunk. And... That's not quite how it happened, <laughs> but near enough. She was supervising Faye. Yeah. And Faye hit a man who then later dies. And it turns out to be the granddad of John Spear, who is just so lovely. I think he's been lobotomised. Um, and he's just falls in love with Emma and she falls in love with him. And But they can never be together because she killed his granddad. And then it, he and finds also he's out. he's moving to Australia. And he's moving to Australia. And then he finds out that she did it and he doesn't really care. And so they go to Australia together. And it's really, it's just up the road from her mum. So, so handy. Han- happily ever after. Yeah. So, so Coronation Street residents currently in Australia. We've got Emma. Fiona. We've got Fiona. we got, is that it now? I think I think everybody else is unless secretly baby Darren well, is, is still alive. Oh yeah. Oh, yeah Ian Latimer is still alive. Ian Latimer's still Maybe. there in Coronation Street, isn't there? I don't think um I don't think that Ted Ashley still is. I think um I can't remember I think it's relatively recently that Gerald Wells, who played Ted, died. I can't remember, I might be completely making that up. But anyway, so that is Coronation Street's um on screen Australian links. But they also off screen had quite an adventure there in the early 1960s. Now this information I got as a mixture, there was uh, of some online sources, there was um, Harry Kershaw's um, autobiography, there was Pat Phoenix's autobiography. Basically, they had a lovely old cast trip out there in 1965. They got it... invited on a state visit in 1965 yeah. to Australia. This is, this is absolutely with amazing. With Harry Kershaw. It's Pat Phoenix, who played Elsie Tanner, Doris Bede, who played Annie Walker, and Arthur Leslie, who played... Uh, Jack uh, Walker, yeah. Yeah, they all went together, and um, there's some p- lovely pictures of them wearing the most glamorous beautiful outfits like covered in furs and mm. jewellery and stuff yeah this this was an absolutely huge thing and it seems crazy to think these days that you know if Coronation Street 
cast would be invited to go to some foreign country and be treated like royalty, basically. But that's well, what I happened know that back they, then. That there are like things in Canada, like events and stuff. But this wasn't like a little convention in no. a, where they're signing pictures. This was like yeah, I mean, <laughs> this was like it, they were royals. This was this kind of thing was unheard of back before then. Yeah, they had Americans going over and they would roll out the red carpet for them. But this was the first time I believe that some just UK celebs had gone over there and, and got this kind of reception. And obviously all of the cast wanted to go, and uh, but most of them were, there was like one or two that were like, no, I'm not, I'm not flying over to Australia. But an awful lot of names were left disappointed when these three were, were the ones that were picked. And um, they had a, they like went to see the Prime Minister before they left, I think. They had this Downing Street event. They had a big press conference. Um, Harry Kershaw there um, was asked, how are you going to carry on without your stars for a few months? And he said, um, oh, there are no stars on Coronation Street, just kind of meaning... Um, it's an the, ensemble. The, it's an ensemble cast. And um, Pat Phoenix uh, immediately jumped in there and quipped, what Mr. Kershaw means is that we're all stars. I love her. Brilliant she line. wouldn't let that lie, would she? Being told she's not a star no, to her face. Pat Phoenix would not. So they get swamped by fans the minute they get off the no, plane. No, 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 they don't. They build themselves up Oh, before up they to get... Go. Okay. Yeah, but when they get there, the plane actually oh. is delayed. They, um, they arrive in um, Sydney. I think, um, which is not as Anglophile a place as apparently uh, apparently as Mel- Melbourne and Perth back then. So they thought there'd be a load of fans uh, there to welcome them, but because the plane is late, everyone's kind of gone home. So they, it's a bit of a muted reception at first, and they they spend I can't remember how long it was in in Melbourne, just kind of swanning around, visiting rich Australians, drinking champagne, going on outings, appearing on chat shows. I cannot believe I missed out on this. This I is my know. ideal thing. I wonder whether any footage of this still exists. I bet there must be. I don't know whether I don't know whether there would be back in those days, you know, it's hard enough to find episodes of scripted TV shows, let alone just, you know, interviews and things that they would have done there. Um, there was one funny story that I read about which was Doris Speed accidentally locking herself in a loo during a boat trip around Sydney Harbour which must have been highly Sweet. embarrassing for her and then there was another one um, for for some reason or other they take a jaunt to a local Sydney strip club apparently a fairly tame one but um, so it's not a strip club then it's more like a an exotic dancing club, club. Um, and and there was this one point where a, where a where a dancer a performer is strutting down the 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 stage in front of them, and Doris Speed end up giving one of them a really dirty look, and um, she says, "Pat, she should never wear that shade of lipstick with her colouring." <laughs> Which is amazing. Okay. Um, then they all head off to Melbourne, and that's where they get the big reception, isn't it? Um, so they, they're greeted by hundreds of fans there, including one guy who leaps out of the crowds at Pat Phoenix with a bunch of flowers and a marriage proposal. <laughs> and there's another dude there who um, propositions Pat Phoenix in a hotel bar and he sort of says, oh, you're a really beautiful woman. Come to my hotel room. I live in, I'm staying in room 202, I think it was. Um, and she's kind of used to... Men. Men of all shapes and sizes and nationalities propositioning her, partly because of her celebrity status. But it turns out that this bloke doesn't even have any idea who she was. He's been out of the bush for in the bush for for years, and this weekend when he met Pat Phoenix was his first trip into town for years, and he just happens to see this pretty lady in the bar and tries his luck. And then the barman has to kind of show him this. This is this is a a a massive TV star. (laughs) Nice try, mate. Aww. 
Um, so they end up um, going around Melbourne. They tour. The I think, I think it's called Mel. I think it's like more like Mel. Melbourne. Is is this Melbourne. like um, Toronto? You got to know how to say it. Yeah, I don't think it's. I, I say Melbourne. Okay. Um, they they meet the different cor- uh, So they they tour the different Coronation Streets. There are five Coronation Streets in Melbourne. So they end up going and have a look around there. They make personal appearances. They do TV and radio interviews. All in six days, so it was yeah. That seems quite absolutely jam packed in. They must have been knackered. But that was six and days in Mel in Melbourne, Melbourne. Yes, and and you know Doris Speed and Jack <laughs> Leslie weren't the the springest of chickens. And they didn't were even they? know, did they? No, no. They didn't even know how old she was. Oh, that's right. Yeah, Doris Speed was older than she said she was. Yeah, um, and like I think 15 it, years. I think it was only a few years after this that um that Arthur Leslie ended up uh, passing away. I can't remember when exactly it was, but uh, yeah. So he was. It was he was an old guy. Thousand, wasn't it? Yeah, that's right. Um, so th- there was also a story that Ian Kershaw talks about in his autobiography, which kind of was fairly re- quite remarkable to me. Was that um, one time when they're in Melbourne, he sees a black person uh, down the road, and he realised that this is the first non-white face that he's seen in the whole of his time in Australia. And um, his tour guide or somebody there that's with him says, "Oh yeah, that'll be a student. The only black people that we let into this country what? are students, and then we send them back off oh, again." God. Which kind of shows just how. Different. You know, different and, and non-progressive um, Australia were back in those days. Oh, yeah. It was absolutely crazy to think about that then. Although, I mean, I suppose in America, um, I guess at around the same time, um, there was similar issues going on. But, um, wow, that, that really stunned me, that one did. Um, next stop, though, was Adelaide. And this was this was the big grand finale for the Coronation Street tour, where thousands we and thousands Finally we of got fans... There crowded the airport to meet them. They couldn't even get through the terminal to get out of the airport building. So the so um, police-flanked cars ended up picking up um, the, the Corrie cast and, and Kershaw from the like the runway, I think it was, driving them through the town. Like they had, the traffic lights were all switched off. That's it just was literally mad. like a ticker tape parade for them. Um um, uh, confetti and that being thrown from the buildings as these huge, huge celebrities will work their way down the road to get to Hotel Australia. And apparently this was an even <laughs> bigger reception than the Beatles had arrived when they got to Australia. Arrived, yeah. um, and the Queen Mother had just been visiting um, Adelaide just recently. And um, she, I think she just left the previous day. And, and this was a bigger reception than the Queen Mother got as well. So that's, that's actually uh, unbelievable. Can you imagine that now? I really, who's as famous as that? I don't know. Yeah, I can't imagine anybody ever going anywhere who would get that sort of reception. Apart from like, somebody in the royal family. Well, yeah, maybe, but no, I just... think I think you haven't seen lots of to- royal tours. They get quite do big. they? But certainly no TV or movie stars or anyone. Maybe would get this I kind mean, of I just can't. Yeah, maybe maybe somebody in Marvel or I don't they, know. They wouldn't have thousands of people lining the streets sprinkling confetti Tom, Tom just because Tom Holland and Zendaya maybe. I don't know. I w- well, I wouldn't be there anyway. No, you wouldn't. On, you don't hear they are. Marvel films. Um, anyway, there was um, 
they, they, they went to all the coronation streets there as well. Yeah, yeah, yeah. They have lunch at Parliament House. They visit the local vineyards as Stay well. Stay there for five, five days. Five days. So it was cramming it in as well. Um, and apparently they ended up getting sore hands from all the handshaking that they had to do. So they had to go to see an Australian doctor there who he said um, he, he diagnosed them with having the royal complaint. <laughs> <laughs> it's just like the royals, yeah. Much handshaking was done. And there was also a really lovely story talking about... Um, doctory medical kind of things there's this one woman a 30 year old woman who pushes um, to the front of the crowds where pat phoenix is at one point and says look my mum is a huge huge cory fan she'd love to come and meet you but she's bedridden at the moment and because she only lived five minutes down the road pat phoenix goes and gives her a visit and she kind of pops her head around this woman's bedroom and says hello love they tell me you're poorly i just imagine that i mean some imagine if you if you were in australia and yeah, and, and, then, and then somebody from a completely different continent just pops in, like the most famous person you knew. That this you would be like Kylie Minogue coming to visit us at the moment, wouldn't it? I, I wouldn't suppose, say. <laughs> That's no, the closest I can think of at the well, moment. Well, I would be as shocked at if Pat Phoenix came now. <laughs> so, yeah, not only was there somebody from the other side of the world coming to visit her, but it was somebody who had recently just been treated to a greater welcome than the Beatles. Just yeah. popping around your house for a cup of tea to see you because you were poorly. Imagine the egos on everybody after this. Oh, though. I know. I would ne- you would never get convinced me to do my own laundry again <laughs> after this. I'd be like, no, far too important. Everybody loves me. You can do it. Wash my pants. I don't know. I bet Arthur I think that's Leslie Kevin's is pretty been. humble about it. That's what Kevin won't wash his own pants. <laughs> so when they left Australia, over 50,000 people lined the streets of Adelaide to see them off, according to the local newspaper. It's just completely unbelievable. And I don't think anything like that has been seen um, before or since. Although there have been one or two other Corrie trips what to Australia. What kind of show? I mean, maybe Game of Thrones? I just don't know. Big? I don't I really don't know. Yeah, because I can't imagine like... Those, like, a bunch of actors from Game of Thrones going to Australia and, like, <laughs> people no, lining the streets. It just wouldn't. It wouldn't happen. I think it's because everything's much more fragmented now. So I don't think that we really, really think too much about it. But back in the day, there were, like, four programmes on the telly. <laughs> so these people would have been more famous than anyone who's famous yeah. now. Yeah, they would absolutely. have been because they would have been on your telly and they would have been the only things on your telly and they would have been there every day, you know, mm. well, twice a week. Well, they're also seen as like untouchable, weren't they? It's only in the past 10 years or so that we've had Twitter where celebrities, yeah, the, the barrier between us and them yeah. has, has been broken down a little bit. But yeah, crazy, crazy yeah, that's times. True. That is true. Yeah, the, the celebrity mystique has kind of disappeared now, you know what? I don't know. What they're on for breakfast. Yeah, what they're on for breakfast <laughs> and uh, what they're on bowel problems. Well, that's that's it for the um, the Coronation Street big stories. But I have got a final roundup of random Coronation Street that. trivia. Well, um, I've got the bullet pointed list here. I, th- I think it, we we should um, yeah tag team them. So I'm going to start off. Did you know, Gemma and me. and listeners, Todd Boyce, who plays Stephen Reed. Um, lived in Australia when he was little. He, he was obviously born in America, as we know, not Canada. But he moved from America to Germany to Brazil before finally settling in Australia. And that's where he trained to be an actor. So he went to the National Institute of Dramatic Arts in Sydney. And his TV debut was, in fact, in an Australian soap called The Restless Years. 
Just well, imagine about all, you, cool. all the Australian grannies are well impressed that you ended up in Coronation Street. I bet they are. I bet they're they like, are. oh my God, I remember when Pat Bennett came to Adelaide, <laughs> it's the best day of my life. So I did see a couple of people criticising um, Todd's performance last week when he was Todd. having... Yeah, Todd Boyce's performance oh, last sorry. week when he was having a go at Kevin. Well, you've got Australia to blame for that, I'm afraid, because that's who trained him there's up. A lot to, there's a lot to say about Australia in this episode. <laughs> yeah. Um, Tristan Gemil. Yeah, Tristan Gemil. He lived Robert. in Australia between the ages of 15 and 25 and he studied drama at Melbourne University. Yes, so another, another alum from Australia is Tristan Gemmel. Yep, Ina Sharples, she was absent from the show for two months in 1968 when she went on a promotional tour. Yes, this is a few years later. Not, not the character, the actress. Yes. Yeah, the character at the time was um, said to be visiting her brother in America. So she ends up, um, Ina, go, Ina, Violet Carson, yes. um, going over to Australia. Um, she doesn't fly like the like the pattern coded a few years previously because apparently she uh, refused to because she'd been in too many flimsy aircraft during the Second World War. So she came down here to Southampton, which has been quite cool. If only we'd have been here back then, we could have would've, waved her off. Would have been too young. A little bit too young in 1968, yeah, just 15 years or so too early. Yep. So yeah, she, she ends up sailing off to Australia on the Oriana, a 12,000 mile trip round, stopping off at various um, like uh, islands and stuff on the way. And um, she, she spends the cruise, not all the time, but some of the time, singing to the second class passengers to keeping them entertained, which is So what, the lovely. first class passengers don't like Coronation Street? Bunch of toffs. <laughs> I like this. I, I like this that she's like, I'm not going to fly. And everyone's like, oh, he's such a diva. And she's like, yeah, because I was in World War Two, And it was like, okay. <laughs> she's earned her diva. Literally can't, can't say anything about that, can you? <laughs> <laughs> um, in 1964... Um, Ken and Valerie were supposed to emigrate to Australia and then Harry Kershaw came in and he was like, no, I want to keep them in the show. Yeah, he was the new producer in 64. Um, Ida, you've written? Yeah, Ken's mum. Yeah, okay. Ida worried that Ken was going to go in 1961 because he found a book about Australia in his room but he says, no, it's just my friend's book. Yeah, there were, so there were a couple of times when we nearly lost Ken just to like the Australians London Lovelies that he wasn't... just stayed in. Jack's book. Yes. Um, Esther Hazes, eldest sister Ada, lived at number five Coronation Street in the pre-Coronation Street times of the show before emigrating to Australia in 1949. This is apparently um, later a retcon to the character later because early in the 1960s, Esther talks about popping over to go and visit her her sister as well, which one assumes she wouldn't have done if it meant popping over to Australia. Maybe one time in the, in the future, people will um, just pop over to Australia to go and see their relative. That would be really quite cool. Maybe. Um, Chalky Whiteley is another character, actually. We, we missed that earlier, who emigrated to Australia in um, 1983. Um, this is just like a, a month and a half or so after I was born, actually. He ends up winning um, a load of money on a five-horse accumulator. He gets £3,543.70 p on a five horse accumulator that's which is just under 10 grand that's pretty good it's enough for him to um go and emigrate over to australia because his son bob and his grandson craig had moved there the previous year and there's a little story in 1982 of chalky who's, who's a pretty old guy looking after his his grandson and kind of struggling to look after him and it's because of him that we've got um to thank for um phyllis pierce coming into the show as well because phyllis was oh, yeah. Ch- craig's maternal grandma i think or you know from the other side etc et um now we said earlier that emma brooker was the only coronet and fiona middleton were the only coronation street um p 
people in Australia at the moment, but we're wrong, aren't we? Because Charlie and Lexi, Lexi Franklin oh, yeah, are Sandlin's in Australia. Yeah, the Bolter family. With their fat adopted family. Yes, but it's all right. They can they can pop they can pop back for Christmas, can't yeah, they? To fine. play a few games Just of complaint and then for like a day. Yeah, and then go back off again. Mm. Um, remember Frida? Everybody yep. loves Frida, especially that amazing scene at the community centre last year. Um, in two thousand and nine, she had a fiance called Sinjin, and he was a bit of an activist, and he was put in Australian prison back then for punching a policeman during a political rally. Oh dear. Yep, okay. Where was this? That was here. Curly yes. goes backpacking to Australia in 1998 and he came back and he found that his house, um, Jackie and Tyrone Dobbs were squatting in it. So mm-hmm. that was a bit annoying. Um, another Australian-born Coronation Street actor was Sam Retford. If you remember, he played Curtis last year. He was born in Gosford, New South Wales. Um, Suzanne Hall, who played Kimberly Taylor, she was born Love in her. Australia. Yeah, um, and there was, I don't know if you remember this one as well, in 2016 at Christmas, Tim buys this. Sally a globe, which turns out to be a little bit dodgy because there was no Australia on it. Yes, now they often, I've said this before when the story came up, they often leave New Zealand off of maps and globes, it's quite funny to Yeah, it's to quite notice, a feat to, uh, to leave Australia, leave Australia like a out, yeah. When Ashley thought Fred was his uncle, he'd been led to believe that his natural mother lived in Australia, but actually she lived in Oldham, which is not the same place. No, bit not, not, not quite the same place. I'm, I'm, I don't know whether some of this trivia is getting less interesting as the list is going is on. Well, this next one's up. quite good. Peter Armitage, who played Bill Webster, um, went on a 13,000-mile motorbike tour of Australia in 1980, and he went around the country busking for a living, and this is a few years before he got the job as Bill Webster on Coronation Street. <laughs> so that's pretty oh, cool. Oh, OK, I can imagine him doing that. It's quite cool, wasn't he, when yeah. he was younger? yeah. Ryan Thomas, he played Raphael Humphreys in 17 episodes of Neighbours in 2018. Yes, now he was Jason Grimshaw in yeah. Coronation And he's Street. like, I'm not doing this no more. I'm sick of being an actor. March 20, um, 2021, he gave up. Yeah, so he, he was Coronation Street's only actor who then moved to Neighbours. So we had, we did a little exchange, didn't we? Because we got that actress who came on to, from Neighbours who was in Coronation Street for a little bit mm-hmm. so we sent them Ryan Thomas back and do you want was, Ryan Thomas? Yeah. and they're like yeah alright and then like, I don't like him anymore he can have him back 17 episodes he was in the show but um, yeah he, he is no longer an actor he retired from it last year he said um, fed up of getting, <laughs> getting rejected at um, auditions I think I can I can totally sympathise with that I, I, I think it's a bit sad I'd, I'd happily have Jason back to Coronation Street well no that's what it is why do you give up acting when you know that you could just go back to Coronation Street that's what I do <laughs> um, and, and that is literally all I could find about Australia well, and an Coronation Street that's an things. hour's worth of contents of, uh, of uh, Australian Corrie stuff which I didn't think I'd ever be able to squeeze out, but th- there we go. Um, but I like that. A, there is a, th- I enjoyed that too. Uh, and it is a nice segue, actually, to the next bit of the podcast where we're going to be talking about neighbours. Like, as we said, um, it is no more. It had its final week last week, and we decided last week it would be... Um, it would be a silly idea not to watch it. So we settled down for half an hour every day last week, a bit more on Friday, to watch the final week. So I thought, um, some people might be interested to know what we thought about it and our, and our no- neighbours viewing experience. So um, we move on to talking a bit about East, about, no, EastEnders, about neighbours now. Yeah. So, Gemma, you, yeah. you mentioned that on the podcast before, but you used to watch Neighbours a little bit when you were younger, didn't you? I really don't know when I watched it or why I watched it. I suppose I watched it with my parents. But when we were watching Neighbours This Week, I was like, I don't remember a lot of this stuff. I remember I remember Harold. I remember 
maybe I remember Toadie. I remember there was a doctor's surgery. I remember there was the pond. There was a pond with a the bridge over it. I remember oh, yeah. there was a scene. There was a load of scenes where there was a ditzy blonde lady who was a vegetarian, but she didn't know that pigs and pork were the same thing. So she ate pork, <laughs> and then everyone told her, and she was shocked. That was probably the most vivid thing. Apart from also, I remember funny. when Helen Daniels died, because I watched that episode, and they were watching a watching TV and she died holding someone's hand and the girl didn't say didn't anything. They, that was a flashback they had in last week's was episode, it? wasn't it? I'm sure um, they had a flashback to Helen. I remember Madge and I remember... I never watched it when Kylie was in it. Mm. I don't... I don't... I didn't know that Guy Pearce was in it. That's I haven't... Yeah. I don't think I expected when I watched it to be quizzed on it <laughs> 20, 30 years later. No, you get really prepared um, for these things. So I, my 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 memories of neighbours is very scattered. Did, and like, did the houses look familiar and the, did or the like the general layout maybe, of the street? Maybe, yeah, I guess yeah. so. See, I I hadn't watched any neighbours whatsoever. It's definitely a bit of a a student culturey thing over here in the UK. Well, there isn't was it? always a boy in my um, college, which is not the same as American college. English classes who would always be late after lunch because he said he watched Neighbours and he thought that that was an acceptable excuse and mm. he wouldn't listen to anybody who told him that you couldn't just be late to everything because Neighbours was on. Yeah. So what what kind of were you expecting in the in the run up to the final episode of Neighbours and and did it kind of match what you thought it would be? Did I know that they were all going to move out? I can't remember. I thought I thought well they were going to end it like Brookside. I think, With where it. they just demolish the whole thing and go, that's yeah. the end, no more, no more. I literally didn't know anything, or because I've never seen Neighbours before, I don't, you know, have any special place in my heart for it, I've not really looked that much into it, but it was, you couldn't avoid seeing all the reports of the returning cast members that there were going to be. Um, obviously Kylie and Jason coming back playing, was it Charlene and some guy so this is just going to show how badly we, we, we know about this um but yeah so i knew that they were going to come back and then there were other old characters but i they, they I, meant nothing to me i'd heard the name toadfish because it's a funny name i imagined that they would all de- they would demolish it but then at the end they'd have a big party and all the celebrities that had been mentioned would turn up to this party and be drinking champagne and things and they would all have like a very brief cameo where they said something poignant and then at the end, they would all kind of like look on tearfully as the whole street gets demolished. That's what I thought would happen. But that didn't happen at all, really, no, did it? Didn't, it? No. Well, as the week went on, it it turned out that everybody was planning to sell up and move away from. Well, Ramsey on Monday, the Monday's episode ended with those two characters. They, I forgot what their names. I don't are. remember what their names are. They were the only ones that were going to stay, and they came out, and everybody had their house up for sale, and they were like, "Oh no!" Yeah. yeah. And they were also right. Somebody was writing a book. Was it Harold was writing a book? I don't know. Who no, no, was I don't think Harold was writing a there book. There was a history book about there was, Ramsey there was a history, Street. Yeah. And they had all the pictures in it about all the people that used to live there. And everyone had to write something in it about themselves yeah. and the pictures. I thought that was a really nice <laughs> way sweet. to reference the past. I, I think on the whole, they did a really good job with making it feel kind of nostalgic for people who had nostalgia for the show, but still carrying on some lingering storylines story yeah. from what I could tell. I mean, it, it took a, a while for me to get who was who and I've forgotten most of the characters' names now and everything and, and knowing who's related to who and who's going out with who and who fancies who and everything like that. And by there the time still I kind of by the end I didn't know. Oh yeah, definitely. By by you know, by the time I kind of understood I'm not even gonna say the majority, a, a good enough chunk of it to be able to follow who was going on and, and be shocked when I was supposed to be shocked. It was basically the end of the show. But I did 
<laughs> I did really enjoy watching it, and I'm, I'm glad that we did. And I didn't know what to expect, particularly in terms of you know what the acting would be like, what the production values would be like, even things like um, the episode lengths. They seemed really short to me. Um, I think they're about the same as Corrie. I think that they ran a bit shorter than Corrie because the adverts came very, very quickly, it felt like. It did, it felt like it went a bit longer. Although, speaking of the adverts, one thing I did definitely appreciate was the Specsavers eye dens that they had. It was really good. It was really clever, wasn't it? You know how how we have our sponsored by Argos adverts before Coronation Street now, and they've got a Specsavers one, but they put this this optician... A kind of superimpose her into yeah. old scenes yeah. of of, uh, of neighbours. Like there's one character, no idea who this was. It says, "Oh, he's not got a roving eye, has he?" And then the woman says, says, "Oh no, he just needs an eye test or something." It was brilliant. It's better than that. But anyway, they that, did that a was... good job, better than you did. Thanks. Um, but I thought that was very very <laughs> clever. But um, I thought it was. It all felt, you know, pretty slick. Um, but there were definitely differences in production to Coronation Street. Some of which I would not want Coronation Street to adopt like that music in the background. There are quite a lot of scenes and I knew that, I, I had known that, that Australian soaps, well probably most soaps around the world actually do this, but it still caught me a bit by surprise when they had these little musical flourishes to mm, to yeah, yeah. To, um, to underline the to drama you know. of a particular scene. This is important. You're going to be sad. Yeah, or, or... it wasn't. Uh, it wasn't uh, so on the nose as a da 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 sort of thing. But yeah, every now and then they would have a little, a little. Or there was this one. There was one character that came back, and the, another character runs to give them a hug, and there's this big, what, it's a five second little. It was like a Zelda opening a chest. Yeah, kind of. I don't. I. I think that Coronation Street are better off not doing that. And I don't think that mostly it added much to the scenes. Although there were some really, really um, you know, sad scenes where having a bit of sad music over the top of it probably did enhance it quite a bit. But but not so much that I'd want Corrie to adopt it. Well, I like... I mean, this is... this. There's loads of spoilers here. If you haven't seen The Last Week of Neighbours, then I don't know why you'd be listening to this and <laughs> get, getting mad at us if we reveal what happened. But basically, Toadie was getting married to his bird. Mm-hmm. I don't know what her name was. I liked her. Uh, I did not like you her. You didn't like her. You found her a bit too in your face and over the top, and didn't you? But I, I thought she was lovely. Um, I'm so, I'm Probably everyone's mad at me because she's probably everyone's favourite character. <laughs> But um, they were getting married and then everyone was going to move. And then at the end, the party was their wedding party, wasn't yeah. it? And um, because everyone was moving and also talking about this book, this history book, um, a bunch of old residents of Ramsey Street like did their video messages and uh, it was all just the people that couldn't be bothered to turn up. <laughs> I, th- I just and, thought everything was a really, really clever way of doing it because when yeah, I well, heard all these characters yeah. are coming back for the final few well, weeks I imagine of being there, yeah. I thought that they'd all you just turn neighbors. up. I have neighbours. I thought they'd all just turn up and swamp everybody um, and then they'd maybe overshadow the existing cast. And, and some of them were yeah, there in the flesh, that they, like that guy yeah. Pierce character. Uh, Mike, was he called? Mike Young? Yes. Um, but um, and Kylie and Jason were there. They they turned. But they up, were that... weird because they kind of like felt like they weren't really there, but they I were think, there. I think that they filmed their scenes quite separately from most of the rest of the yeah, cast. Yeah, looked like and they did. There was a bit when they were up on the balcony towards the end, and I think one of them was superimposed 
One of them, the other cast, cast members were superimposed on the end of the balcony. I think I read that somewhere. But and yeah, Kylie surprised me because she had very few lines. It was it was Jason Donovan's character that had. I know were they paying <laughs> Kylie uh, Kylie McDonald Kylie Minogue by the uh, the word maybe I'm not sure. Um, but yeah, she was. It was cool to have her back. But the the way that they had the video messages for Toadie and. Mrs. Toadie at the end of the episode. <laughs> Mrs. It was Fish. Very, very clever. Um, because they used to do this back in the early days of Coronation Street, didn't they? When this they had is the what, what we were saying when we were watching, like, oh, this is just like an old school Corrie, mm. um, Corrie wedding. And it would have been... The thing I loved about the old school Corrie weddings when they ran out of telegrams is that would have been exactly how it would have been in the day because people wouldn't have been able to afford to take time off work or travel or whatever. Mm. Um, so it was kind of funny how there was that little kind of link to Coronation Street. Yeah, they? it was really, really cute. And, and the thing about it was, is that all the people that were in it, they were doing videos and they were talking about, that they were actually talking about themselves, but they, they could have plausibly been in character because they were saying, oh, the time mm. I spent on Ramsey Street was yeah. like the greatest time of my life. I miss everybody. Yeah. And it was really sweet and... Um, yeah, like I say, poignant because you knew that they were talking about themselves yeah, and so it was heartfelt. And I recognised um, Natalie Imbruglia from yeah. from her pop star days of the late 90s, although yeah. I, I think I'd forgotten that she was even in Neighbours and I was absolutely not expecting her to show up in that you final went... episode. I was like, I know that person, that's Natalie Imbruglia, she sang Torn. Um, and then also in the video messages, um, Mark Little's character appeared. And I remember yep. Mark Little because he used to present the big breakfast over here on a, on Channel 4 for a, for a little while when I was younger. So I was like, oh, that was cool. I think I'd think I'd read that he was going to come there back There were loads it, of other really nice, massive names and nice I can't surprise. remember them all. But I will, one thing I will say about Neighbours is that it is such a powerhouse of talent. I don't think that you could get for Coronation Street like people who've been in Hollywood films and you know like mm. Neighbours just has r- real rich sort of history of very very talented very ambitious people making their start on, on Corrie and I wonder what the difference is why, why don't we have as many and if you look at the biggest names that have come out of Coronation Street like you know Sarah Lancashire um Sam James. Yeah, I mean, I suppose they'd be the equivalent, but I don't think they've reached such high echelons of fame as Kylie Minogue or Guy Pearce. No, I don't know what I don't know what it is. Is it because Neighbours doesn't give them enough? Like, what's the word? A bit, whatever. It doesn't fulfil their ambition, so they go on somewhere else. Whereas Coronation Street is kind of like the premier. Mm-hmm. I don't know. So, but I'm just saying that because I'm a Coronation Street person, <laughs> so I'm going to say that it's um. It's the best. It is the best. But yeah, um, it was really, it was very impressive to see all these, all these people. Yeah. And uh, I suppose that with me, I didn't necessarily realise in the episode running up to the final one, who was a returnee or, you know, some of them yeah, are saying, yeah, oh, you're yeah. back. But for, as far as I know, no, they might have been, been away for shop. a week. Yeah, exactly. Or come to the <laughs> shop. So I, know I, 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 I yeah. didn't, I didn't go, and oh, like when that woman turned up with who was pregnant, like, yeah. oh, the party started here. It's like, has she been away from the programme for a long time? I couldn't really Are we tell. happy that she's pregnant? Yeah. I guess so. I don't, I don't know. But I mean, the, the mainstay characters... It wasn't for us though. No, Anything that I'm saying that's a criticism of it is absolutely under the understanding that this was not for me. I know it's not no, for not me. No, not in the slightest. I don't feel like anybody, anything should have been changed to accommodate people like us who didn't uh, didn't no, know what they were watching. I mean, watching. having a previously on Neighbours was was enough for us, I suppose. But uh, but yeah, but the, the, the actual flashbacks and the, how they worked them into the episodes was 
quite so good. So I as remember well. when that happened. Da, 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 da. And I was watching some <laughs> of the scenes going. Was this really a, was this a major scene that they're flashing back to, like some people at a fancy dress party or or whatever, or, or were they just random clips? I don't know. But yeah, um, was it like something that everyone who watches Neighbours would be like, oh yeah, 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 or is it like, oh? Because it made me think, would I want that in the final week of Coronation Street? Everything that went on in this last week of Neighbours was making me think, if Touchwood Coronation Street was also having its final week, would I want it to go this way? And would would having old clips be suitable or would it be cheesy? Would I want them to all be moving away or not move away? Would I want there to be no big explosions? And and a lot of what I was thinking was, yeah, this kind of was a pretty perfect way to really end a soap really. Yeah, they could have a history say, of Coronation Street book. If they were to steal this idea wholesale from neighbours, I don't think that they would be barking up the wrong tree. I think no. this was very touching, very sympathetic. Um not too showy, uh, very respectful way to to end this soap. Yeah, and having a wedding, like, yeah. going on in the last episode was lovely. And it wasn't a wedding where, you know, the bride had secretly have, had it off with the yeah. with her she, husband's brother. or They were both had, very know. happy. Yeah, they were. It was, it was a very joyous occasion. And yeah. that's kind of what you want, really. And, I, and, I, and I've thought loads of times over the years about how would Coronation Street end, what would be the best way and, and some of the ways I've thought is having a big, you know, big explosions Everyone and stunts dies. and everything and maybe that wouldn't be suitable now I've seen Coronation's uh, neighbours doing it this way. Well they um, had to save all their money for the CG confetti. Oh yeah, that, that didn't look so good did it? The yeah, well, oh, the other... <laughs> it was probably a good idea not to use real confetti. The other, the other bit that really, really stood out as being, this is a set is that view out of the window of that... Where was it? At the hotel or was it in someone's house? No, it like... was Paul... Daniels. house. <laughs> I've forgotten his name. Very yeah. famous character that I should Can't know. remember the name of at all. Yeah, they had a very, very obvious um, painted or photographed backdrop just outside the window, didn't they? And Coronation Street does use those, but generally... People have got net curtains so you can't see. Or if the door watch, creaks open a little bit. If you watch older episodes of Coronation Street, they really phased it out. But back in the old days, they would just have a painted board outside a window. To oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. They don't even, really do that anymore because it doesn't look... On, on modern TVs with the high-res... Yeah, you know, it you can just tell. doesn't work. Yeah, I mean, back in like the sixties on Coronation Street, sometimes they didn't even have the full set constructed, did they? And they'd be they'd be standing there on you oh, know God, outside yeah. number five Coronation Street, and then the Rovers would literally be a painted board mere meters away from where yeah. the actors and the, are standing. And the wall was a, was the road painted up into the sky. Yeah, and they had to keep the camera angle exactly as it was, otherwise it would be obvious there was a ninety degree bend. Yeah, but um, but. In, in modern days you can't really get away with that but Not still really. still neighbours tried it and uh, well, why it, it didn't they work so the well for week? me <laughs> um, so as for the kind of the, the other main stories um, I really enjoyed and again I, I should have a character list I, I plan to get to bring a character name list with me but I forgot to do it I enjoyed the story of that that woman who was torn between the two men and she was going to be going off with one but then her old flame um from the past came back and she kind of imagines him there in a lounge and everything. You know which character I'm talking about if you listen to this. I thought that was really uh, sweet and having him, uh, her end off with him was um, was very nicely done. I, I definitely sympathised with, with that character. Um, There's loads of stuff that I just did not, I, it went over my head completely. Oh, like, yeah, the vast At the end they were like, oh, I'm not going to sell Lassiter's anymore. 
to this man. Yeah. I'm going to send it to another man or am I going to keep it? I don't know. Yeah. Can't remember. <laughs> I wasn't really sure. I, I, think, I think there was a lot there that would And it's that lady that was shagging around with that bloke who had the cars... Or was oh, she or yeah. not? I don't remember. Oh, yeah, there was that woman who was caught snogging the guy in the front of the car, wasn't there? Yeah, well, okay, good for her. I liked the, um... Everyone hated her, didn't they? And then they forgave her or something. I can't... I'm not sure. Was that someone else? <laughs> I don't remember. The shaggy lady. I don't and remember. And then also we had, um... I think the, set, the thing I liked a lot about it, apart from what we've already mentioned, is the sets. I really liked... Like that little train train uh, carriage cafe. Oh yeah, that's lovely. I loved the watering hole. I loved the um, Lassiter's stuff. I really liked um, the little shop and the cafe and everything. I, I just loved how burdened it all looked. Yeah, it looked really lush and lovely. And um, it all looked like a real kind of upmarket, cool place to be. And I think on Coronation Street, um, we don't... There are some cool places, trendy places... But we don't have a cool cafe, and I really wish we did. Yeah, it, it felt like like set- when I watch Emmerdale, I get jealous of their farm shop. I think that's really. Well, I get cool. I get jealous of all the surrounding, um, you know, yeah, fields and nature set, yeah. and everything on Emmerdale. Whereas Coronation Street, well, you can't, is, really you can't relocate it, where the it is in the country. middle of a city. It's they moved it to, to Media City a few years ago, but at the end of the day, there's there's well, city around it. Um, and and yeah. you can't show these sprawling or aerial shots or anything. I, I don't know how much, if you zoomed out of Neighbours. But it felt like you could see down the road and there were other houses down there, weren't there? Well, there was a bit where they were walking in front of like a boutique, load of boutique like shops and they were talking about, oh, I'm going to put in a nail bar. Mm. I can't remember. Yeah. But I liked, I liked there it. Was, there, there was a real sheen to the production that Coronation Street doesn't have. And I'm not saying that it needs it at all. Like the the music and everything, that that can go in the bin as far as I'm concerned. If they ever tried to put that in Coronation Street, but it was it was a really um, really interesting experience seeing how the other side live and and what what another soap is like. And it it, it definitely felt right to 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 watch the final um, episodes. I and, really yeah. Go on. And I, and I I really really enjoyed that speech that um Susan is it gave at the at the end of it where because yeah. she she starts off she's asked to write the foreword for the history of Ramsey Street. She doesn't book, want to do it because she? she's she's sort of sad that everyone's leaving. Yeah, but and she then, sort of feels like what's the point? Yeah, but then it turns into what she's writing turns into like a a coda or epilogue speech for the series, doesn't yeah, it? Yeah, it was. It was really it well was, done. It was so... It, it was, was very absolutely neat. perfectly written. Yeah. And, and there were bits in there that were in-universe and bits in there that were out-of-universe. Well, they were in-universe, but they felt like they were out-of-universe. Like, she talks about um, people who watched us from afar, which... No, in you universe, wouldn't write that in a she's talking about a, a street that you lived on. I, I, it'd be it, creepy. It felt right it'd be to like me. Be like the TV license man. <laughs> it felt like you know people. There, there's a real heart and a community in this street, and and people from a, you know, from outside of Ramsey Street have, have come in and stuff. But she, it was obviously a big shout out to the viewers, yeah. particularly. I think it was a shout out to. Uh, foreign, particularly UK viewers, because this is a country where it's, I guess, it's got its largest international audience. Um, and then they, in in that speech, it also talked about, um, oh, I wonder what the characters would be like, people who were taken from before their time, and there were like some ghosts of characters. Well, that no, appeared. hang on, I think it was just Madge. No, there was a few. There, there was there was like five or so I, I've read since. Did you? Yeah, yeah. There was there was they had Madge. Who I saw Madge. Was, was she? She was oh, a fairly she... famous character. Yes. <laughs> I don't know. That was the bit I recognised Madge, and I was like, oh, that is actually that really got me. That was because she looked 
So serene as well. Yeah, she was just sitting there at a table along with somebody else. She also looked beautiful. Apparently there was a villain that showed up. Because I think she was talking about, you know, that we've seen heroes and villains and then some guys walking along the street and that's supposed to be um, a a neighbour's villain of the past. And as it sounds like it should be silly, but in the same way that Vera's ghost coming back to see Jack was absolutely perfect for me, I think that this worked from from an outsider's point of view really really well as a very respectful look back to the past a, a thank you everybody for watching yeah isn't it sad that it's over but life still goes on yeah that was the thing it felt like um the fact that nobody moved out at the end and and to- toady and his wife were, were like oh we're not we can't go we can, how could we leave now mm. i and really so like toadfish like, as a character to be continued but you're not you're not coming with us. Um, yeah, I really enjoyed um, Toadfish as a character. I don't know whether... It, it can't be anything to do with the fact that he's been in it a long time, but it just felt like he was very kind of natural and friendly and just a, a fun guy, really. Yeah. Um, whereas everybody else... I, I, I mean, I liked a lot of the other characters, but he was one that particularly stood out to me. Well, he was the one that was getting married, so he was the... Yeah. He was, yeah, and it was, it was quite refreshing to watch a, a whole week of somebody getting married without them having an argument. Or yeah, there, there, around, there, like, there like were bits of, of drama there, but and, nothing huge. And people coming in and being like, "Oh, I'm come for your wedding." That was, it just felt very natural. And you know, if I was if I was in charge of Coronation Street, I'd be watching this. Going, "Oh God, damn it!" Now, now we can never end because we can't. Top we can't that. top that because it was really, really fantastic. And if we do something similar, everyone's going to be like, "Oh, it wasn't as good as the neighbours one." Or maybe, maybe it just means they have to leave it a long, 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 long time before Coronation Street ends, so everybody forgets. This would be in my back pocket ended. if I was. Um, if yeah. I was ever considering it was just really good I, but I mean equally I also thought that when there was the idea of we're all moving out of Ramsey Street um, came up I thought oh yeah that's not a bad idea but apparently a load of fans didn't like that idea and they, they thought that was a bit of a cheat having everybody move out but, and they, but then obviously that was a bit of a twist at the end that yeah. actually they were staying um, I suppose the difference with Coronation Street is, I mean, Ramsey Street, there were, what, five, six houses, maybe? It's a little cul-de-sac. Yeah, whereas with Coronation Street, you could literally not have everybody deciding to yes, up and leave. Yes, you could, because you would demolish it. Like, they, like, that would be the only, that would be the most obvious way of doing it. Mm. Like, because that... Been threatened the in the fact past. That, yeah, but the fact that it's still there, I know that there are other places like that in, mm. in uh, the area, but um, they really are... Yeah, sort of. There's just there's just more people in Coronation Street that it would affect, and I think even with all the returning cast members that Neighbours had last week, they still probably had a cast but that was smaller than Coronation Street on an average week. But can I just point out, we had a quasi kind of story like this with Ray threatening to demolish. Mm, yeah, yeah, the street. So it was kind of like that, really. People all selling it? up. Yeah. But I was just thinking, like in real life, if everybody on Ramsey Street, apart from one family, decided to move and put the house up for sale, and you went to go and view a house there, wouldn't you be like? Is that like a gas leak or a chemical <laughs> spill or something here? Or a sinkhole. Or are they really noisy and annoying or something? Yeah. Everyone hates them, that's why they've moved. Yeah, yeah. Something else I was reading about about the final week, there was an article on Digital Spy that I saw about um, all the little Easter eggs that they put in and they like made references to, um, to, to fan things that they'd noticed. Like in the last episode, one of the characters said, oh, why is it called street? Because it's not even a street, it's a, like a cul-de-sac or whatever that you said. Close, and, yeah. and they would... 
uh, and when they were looking through the old photo albums, they saw one character played by a few actors, and somebody made a uh, comment saying, "Oh, it looks like they re- they reinvented themselves so many times or stuff like that." I thought that was quite. Oh, quite didn't cool. get that. At all. No, exactly. All of that kind of stuff completely passed us by. But it was really nice that they put it in there for the fans. It it, it felt like um, they really wanted to to make it just right for the fans, and they um, did a really good job. I, I think they did a really really good job. Very glad Should I watched proud it. Proud of themselves. But. Um, I mean, if it came back, which I don't think it will, it's not like I'm going to jump in and watch it again, but it feel, felt like, as a, as a soap podcaster, a moment of TV history that it would be yeah, um, that's right. remiss. Um, we have to tribute, we have to pay tribute, and we have to uphold and uplift other soaps, even though they're rivals, you know, and do we, you know, there's a funny kind of, ha-ha, you know, oh, I don't want EastEnders to win this or whatever, or oh, so so is crap, but... Really, it's kind of like the the herd is uh, stronger together, isn't mm. it? And uh, one less soap is really not good, no. um, in my opinion. And it's sad that it ended. And um, I think it's uh, shocking that such a big name as as Neighbours has mm. has come to an end. But I think that they sort of they they bade it farewell with yeah. I mean, passion just, just and imagine love if, and respect. Just imagine if it had been cancelled and they just had to stop making the episode, which has happened to many other series in the past, or if they'd planned something and it just went down like a lead balloon with viewers. <laughs> that would have been awful. And yeah. and that's kind of my worst fear if Corrie ever comes to an end, that they do a real hash, hash job <laughs> of the final week. Um, well, don't need to worry about that. Hopefully, you don't need to worry about that anymore. No. So anyway, that was that was our final thoughts. That was incredibly clumsy neighbors. and ignorant. Um, what What's more, can you expect from us? It was, we it was nearly half an hour of us tried our about best. A that we didn't. Know we watched about. it. We didn't pick up on most things, which I don't think is. I think if soap is thirty seven years in the making and you can understand everything that happens in the final week, I think it's doing something wrong. <laughs> so yeah, well done everyone. Yeah. I it was really it was really heartwarming, and um, neighbours was is going to be remembered, isn't mm. it, for for, oh, yeah. for a long time, for sure, forever, for sure. I guess. It's part of uh, television history, and uh, it's been the birth of many great careers, mm. and. Um, it's sad to see it go. Yeah, very sad to see it go. Now, this is this was going to be the end of the uh, the podcast, but I have got an extra special treat to tack on to the end of this here because I've been in touch with the Neighbours podcast, and that's Nay and then B U Z Z, which is a, obviously <laughs> a Neighbours podcast um, that's been going for a, f- a good few years over in Australia, and I've been in touch with uh, their hosts, and um, I I haven't done it yet as I'm recording this on Tuesday. I have not yet spoken to them, but um, I'm going to be chatting with them about what they. Think thought about um, the final few months and week of, of Neighbours. So um, I'm just going to kind of cut to that now. And um, maybe we'll come back at the end and, and say what we thought about it. But anyway, over to over to me in the future and um, Neighbours podcast. Uh, so now to join me on the podcast, I'm really thrilled to be talking right over the other side of the world to Vaya from the Neighbours podcast. Hello. Hello. What a thrill. I've changed yeah, I- streets. I'm, I'm really, really excited. Yeah, from Ramsey Street to Coronation Street. That you are. I think you're the furthest away guest we've ever had on the podcast. That's for sure. Really? How are you? How are you? Well, it's a bleak week for I us. I know. It's um. We we get neighbours over here. We got neighbours over here at six thirty p.m. on weeknights. Mm-hmm. And that first Monday back after the last episode, we were all just a bit at sea, wandering yeah. around. Like, what do we watch? What do we watch now? <laughs> 
Yeah, so, I, I'm so yeah. gutted for you that, that it's ended. I mean, did you remember? Do you remember the moment that you heard that Channel Five would be pulling the funding for Neighbours, which kind of meant the writing was likely to be on the wall? Yeah, well, we'd heard it a few times, so it was a bit like the boy who cried wolf. Mm. So we saw the rumours in whatever trash mag, trash tabloid papers put it out there and straight away we all jumped on messaging each other and writing in our Facebook group well don't believe the rumors they happen all the time every time there's contract negotiations or whatever it is and then it just kept sticking around and we we were thinking okay this is weird this is the longest people are talking about it then when the big uh, meeting happened on the set where they said cast and crew had stopped stopped production for the day Mm. and we got wind of that and we thought oh no Oh, yeah, no. this is dire. Yeah. Did you do you kind of hold out the hope that someone else would pick it up and the show would be able to carry on? Definitely. And I think that's what's made these last few months extra anxiety inducing is that I was part of the Save Neighbours movement. So we, we had thousands of people tweeting, signing petitions, writing emails to networks, begging somebody to take it. And then we were using up a lot of energy in those weeks. And then it seemed like, no, there was just nothing to be done. It was just a financial decision and no one was really willing to wear that cost. Mm. So then we had to find new energy to start sending the show off. And oh, it's been a roller coaster. Yeah. Did you, um, when did you kind of hear that it was definitely over? When did you kind of accept we're into our last kind of final months of neighbours now? It, for me, I mean, there were press releases that went out, but for me, it, the penny dropped when I saw the uh, the writing staff post a picture on Twitter of their final lunch, their farewell lunch, that they were having at Teresa's backyard, in Teresa's backyard yeah. set, Rebecca Omaloglu, and that was it for me. I thought, what do you mean? You, you need writers. You need your writers. <laughs> what do you mean it's their last day? And that that's when it hit for me and I was really depressed at that point. (laughs) Did you have any ideas of how you kind of wanted the show to play out its final months? Did you kind of say, I want these characters to do this, I want this story to end this way, or this is what I imagine the final week to be for me? All I really wanted were the Kennedy kids or at least Billy and Anne to come and visit mum and dad (laughs) at the (laughs) Kennedy house. But we got some video calls happening, but it wasn't quite what I would have hoped. But also I just kind of knew that they would end it in a lovely way. And so I didn't really have grand expectations. I I thought a lot of re- returning cast would come. I thought a lot of heritage cast would come back and I'm super mm. glad that they did, especially Guy Pierce stealing the show. It was yeah. he, just, he and Annie Jones just ran away with it. It was amazing. But I I just kind of got the sense that the current production team had a, a good sensibility about how they would say goodbye. And there were things I didn't agree with Paul Robinson getting a happy ending, not a romantic <laughs> hero in my eyes, but there were lots of lovely touches and a, an amazing event. They had obviously Tody and Mel's wedding yeah. that I hear was days and days of very long shooting days. Mm-hmm. It wasn't just one big party. So they put, I knew that they would put a lot of thought into it and it did not disappoint in any way. So it was a really lovely way for them to go out. Yeah. Are you glad that they went out with a happy ending rather than like a massive stunt or an explosion or, you know, which they could have done? Yeah, definitely. 
Definitely. We've had enough. Oh my goodness. We've had enough terrorism on that street, on that cul-de-sac. So I also, I just couldn't take it. A lot of us couldn't take it. There was a, a major character death, um, Hendrix. Mm-hmm. Oh, just a young couple got married and then Hendrix died of a failed lung transplant. And that was just excruciating to sit through because we were all sad anyway and then we were extra sad. And so I just thought, please, let's have a party. So how party long ago did street. that happen? A month ago. It was, and also in Australia, we we had a bit of a truncated broadcast schedule because of shenanigans, because first the UK fell behind, then they started showing extra episodes, then Australia was falling behind and then to catch up to the finale that the network started screening first 60 minute episodes a night and then 90 minute episodes the week of the finale and look I don't know how much Corey you can take all at once but <laughs> I just was referring to it as a medically unsound amount of episodes to watch back to back of a soap yeah. opera but they were it was kind of like watching a movie every night but it was so I lost, we all lost a bit of a sense of time. We didn't know when storylines were happening and suddenly someone was saying, oh, let's sell the house. And then a sale sign would go up and we just, yeah, it's been a bit of a blur. July was a blur, July, 2022. So how much, you may have said this already. So how much is it, was it usually on the air? How many hours a week did you normally get? So it was half an hour, five nights a week. Right. Uh, And then something happened during the pandemic and it dropped to four nights a week in Australia, but they were shooting six episodes. They were making six episodes a week. Don't think about it too hard. It's, it makes your brain turn to jelly. But and how, I'm going to ask very basic questions now. How long are Corey episodes? That's right. They're currently an hour long. So we get an hour three times a week. Um, it used to be, you know, up until earlier this year, they had um, six half an hour episodes a week, but they've, they've kind of squashed them together. So they write them as, two separate episodes but they now put them together as one so it wow. is it was almost like a little mini movie <laughs> a yeah. short one every three times With, a week sometimes it is quite a delight and you think oh wow what a great run of television I've consumed and other times you're like I can't yeah. deal with this person okay yeah. back in the day this. back in the day when it first started Corey was just two episodes a week oh, um, yeah. I, uh, I'm it was, was as neighbors kind of grown over the years as well it, I as far as I'm aware it's always had that same classic half hour block it moved networks about five years ago which was which was a lot of which was the death knell a lot of Mm. us uh, realized that it was not a great move it moved to the digital channel rather than the mainstream network Mm. and it became the flagship show for the digital channel but no one was watching and it was it's become sandwiched between episodes of friends and the big bang theory and Mm. It was just, it, so we were grateful that it lasted through all of that. And it just kept getting that injection of UK, European funding, but there was just not enough local love for it to yeah, stay. Yeah. So yeah. by the time it was, um, it was in dire straits, there was nothing anyone locally could do because it wasn't successful enough in Australia for a network to get behind it. What could have saved it is if a government body had stepped in, like a Screen Australia or Film Victoria had could, could have offered up t- t- traineeships or there could have been some initiative. But I don't know, we're, we're yeah. all just, we couldn't, we couldn't save it. 
No, no. It's, it's us Brits' fault, isn't it, for pulling the funding at the end of no, the day? I, I apologise no. on behalf of my country. No, Channel 10 <laughs> should never have moved it to a channel called Peach. It was called Channel 11, and then they rebranded, and the channel became Channel Peach. And we were just scratching our heads going, no. I'm surprised. But I mean, what no. I did hear, though, from other fans that had watched it, because Gemma and I just watched the last week of Neighbours. But um, oh, yes. what I'd heard from other people who had been watching it was that it, you've got a really good last few months and people were saying this is the best Neighbours has been for years. Did you agree with that? Yeah, I. They that sentence gets a lot of a workout. Whenever things seem like they're um, on on shaky ground that sentence gets rolled out but the you could tell on screen there was a shift once the performers knew that the show was over because there was this extra intensity to all of the emotions Mm. so when I was talking before about a character death everyone was just turning on turning it on the waterworks it was gut-wrenching and even just someone moving interstate like Roxy and Kyle moving to Darwin was suddenly the most emotional farewell party I've ever seen <laughs> on Ramsey Street. So we got these these extra layers of emotion built in, which was great. And also they still, it didn't stop them from doing stunts and um, location episodes. And it was great that we didn't get a stripped back version of the show. They just yeah. kept throwing the stunts and um, uh, action-packed episodes at mm. us. Did you find that they had enough time to tie up the stories in a satisfactory way? Or were there any ones that have kind of rushed or dropped? Um, yeah, I was worried that they wouldn't. They did rush a lot of the, the, um, the pathway towards all the households wanting to sell up mm. and put their houses on the market. That, again, because I was watching 90 Minutes a Night, maybe that was very well-paced, but mm-hmm. <laughs> I, it's all a blur. Um I, there were a couple of the newer characters that we didn't really get, we didn't get a sense of what their futures would be. So we didn't know, you know, it was nice, it would be nice to know if Mackenzie would maybe secure a job as a lawyer down the track or um, what, if Freya said she was going to be a paramedic, but we didn't, we just didn't get a sense that some of the characters were going to go on to their big, amazing, happy endings and it was sort of like every character had their, as long as they had a romantic end, that seemed to be enough. Like, okay, this couple <laughs> got together, assume everything's fine after this. And I was kind of hoping that more of them would sell and move because I just, well, I yeah. think they, I would love the, I think the Kennedys deserve a year or two in Queensland, get some sun, <laughs> put a few things behind them. Um, but uh, I think they put enough, so much content in and wrapped up a lot of stuff that I didn't think was possible. Were you happy with the way that they brought the characters back that they didn't overshadow the the main, you know, the long-term characters? It wasn't just like, hey, there's a new character, new character, new character. Well, what about the, you know? I think they did it brilliantly. I think they used the device of the memory book, the history of Ramsey Street book, Harold's book, yeah. as an as a excellent um key to unlock the reason for a lot of characters to be making cameos and tying it into a Facebook group which is perfect of course there would be a Facebook group and also there was a wedding so that there was a a multi-generational wedding so Toadie and Melanie had a May-December romance going on so there was a reason for friends from previous 
seasons of the show to come back and it made mm. sense it really did yeah. we, we noticed that as we were watching it because one thing that we used to enjoy on the old episodes of coronation street like the old ones that we've seen from the 60s is that weddings they'd all have like telegrams from old characters and it felt oh. a little bit like this and it felt very very natural to have all these appearances from ex yeah. um, residents of ramsey street and oh, i love that i always i love wedding episodes where they at least refer to where people are or yeah even if you assume that someone's in the next room it, you, they don't you don't have to see everyone on camera but if they at least say oh then we're going to go see mum and dad at the reception afterwards in Colac or whatever it is mm. um but it was great to have a reason to actually see faces and have a big yeah. I don't know whether I don't know whether neighbours does this, but one thing we sometimes um, make fun of Corey for is that when there's a wedding happening, a character will always ring up and say, "Oh yeah, I, I can't make it because or they you know because they can't get the actor back." They always have to come up with these excuses. Yes. Oh, so and so's broken their arm, or you know. <laughs> yeah, or um, in in the case of Jane Annie Jones saying, "I'm not going because I'm too heartbroken." Because clearly they, she yeah. was use, being used in the other block with Guy Pierce, so they could. She's like, I, I don't have time to go to the wedding on the same day. Sometimes it is a little bit, um, yeah, of a left turn. You think, oh, okay. And like Toadie's brother wasn't at his wedding. That's mm. strange. Well, neither of his brothers, Stony or Puffy. So, um, yeah, it's it's. Um, they don't, they don't need, they've never needed to have as many weddings as they've needed to have. Um, I was actually at, as an extra, I was at the almost wedding of Carl and Izzy back in the day. Yeah. I used to do a bit of extras work on Neighbours and I was in the waterhole uh, after they called off the wedding and decided they were just going to stay as they were and then everyone had a big party and ate cake in the waterhole. Well, back, back then it was Lou's Place, the pub, mm. and then... That was the night the word, the pub burnt down. And so they had to evacuate, like the part of the story was they were evacuating everyone from the pub. So that was a fun night to be part of. <laughs> but I love that there would be almost weddings. Like that's an expensive event to suddenly pull the pin on. I know, I know. <laughs> so tell me about your experience of watching the final episode last week then. Where, you, <gasps> where were you? Were you on your own? Were you were friends at a big viewing party? So... I had initially wanted to host some sort of event back when they announced the final episode as airing on the 1st of August. Then they changed the date and I, the wind left my sails at that point. I thought, oh, I don't have the energy to, mm -hmm. what if they change it again? Yeah. Also, it's tricky because a lot of my podcast audience is in the UK because that's where the bigger neighbours audience is. So I don't have a huge local audience. I have a few loyal um, listeners but so I didn't know what to do then I moved house so I couldn't organize anything but at the 11th hour um, my co-host Kate and I CJ was unwell so she couldn't come but Kate and I went to a public screening in Federation Square in Melbourne CBD a big they've got a big outdoor screen yeah and they had deck chairs set up and I thought this is going to be miserable because it's middle, middle of Melbourne winter and which um, is not dissimilar to, despite Erinsborough's many lies, it's not dissimilar to a bleak London day, like English day. Where's actually, where, which region is Corrie in? I know nothing about Corrie. It's, it's north. It's, it's, a, it's the, the grey, damp region. So it's a, well, that, you know, the weather's not brilliant there. That was the forecast for the Thursday that they were screening it here. And Kate said, we've got to go to Fed Square. And I, I said, it's going to be wet and cold and we're going to be sad. <laughs> and I don't want to do that, but I didn't want to organise anything. So I said, right, we're going. And it, 
turned out to be lovely. The weather held up, like the rain held off. They had blankets and we were all just buzzing and it became like a a theatre pantomime, like theatre restaurant sort of vibe. And we were yelling out. I was yelling at a lot of stuff to the screen, yelling at Paul and um, cheering for everybody, (laughs) Um, Susan. And I was yelling at Jane to pash um, Mike. We were just being (laughs) obnoxious. And then I was really tired that day. I'd been up very early. I had done an interview for um, our local national broadcaster, ABC, um, on TV in the very early hours to talk about the finale. And I was so tired. And then I just <laughs> sobbed. I burst into tears <laughs> at the very end. And of course, all the news cameras were pointed at us as yeah. we were both sobbing and hugging each other. And of course, that's the footage that rolled <laughs> on all the news channels the next day. So, and I just laughed all of the next day. I'd been really sad, but we were just seeing ourselves. And even in the moment, and as I was crying and I could see the camera pointing at me, I said, oh no, I've become a meme. <laughs> but so it was... what, what does it mean for the for the podcast now? Is it like you, you called it a day? Is it done? Or are you going back and looking at old episodes? Or No, we're going to keep going. We A couple of months ago, we stopped recapping everything because it was just too much. So we've got a couple of months worth of episodes to just really dissect, mm-hmm. <laughs> put under the magnifying glass. But we also want to speak to a lot more alumni we've had a few cast and a few writers on the show but I want to try and get a few from the current cast to chat to us about what all of this process was like putting the final episodes together and we do have a cast member who is has agreed to speak to us in a week so I am really excited about that because she's one of our favorites and um oh so I ideally I want to get recapping all of the stuff we missed and speak to as many people as we can and then maybe cherry pick some very key arcs and yeah, episode arcs and go through those. But we have no desire to go back to the beginning. Uh, my co-host Kate watched all of Prisoner from the beginning and that took her, I think, four years. So and she said, no, 80s television, I don't need to go back there. <laughs> so, And there are other people that want to start up recap yeah. podcast from the beginning so I'm happy to leave that to them yeah oh it's still good to hear that there's going to be more to come for neighbors though I'm sure yes. you're, your UK fans over here will be pleased to, to know that I mean just just one last question for from one what's yes. one, one soap podcaster to another how would you say that doing a podcast has changed your life oh just just a little question I, <laughs> this is where I got emotional last week because it's really the connection to the UK particularly has really moved me like the, the 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 friendships we've formed and the the online community we've got is really lovely so it, and I went over to um England a few years back and I did a little live podcast recording in London and had yeah. in a pub and had people turn up and I'm still friends with all those people that were there and it's just that community is unbelievable yeah, and I felt the same thing doing uh, doing my podcast. <laughs> it's lovely, isn't it? Aren't people lovely? And just having the same thoughts as people, or just the, you really want to drill down onto the same onto the minute details that yeah. other people have thought about too. And you think, oh, mm. good, I'm not the only one that's trying to figure out how um, they got all this stuff done before eight a.m. and <laughs> yeah. wondering why they're not at their jobs. <laughs> yeah, because I mean, as you so, I mean, as we know, all those soap audiences have been declining. So in oh. in real life, 
there's not as many people to talk to so it's just lovely no. to, be able to have these podcast communities of fans that you can, can share that with yeah because soap standing alone is not necessarily the pinnacle of high art so it needs this extra layer of commentary to it it's a, it adds to the viewing experience it's yeah. not meant to be watched and that's it you're meant to you have to ask questions <laughs> so do, you, do you think but, you might pick up another soap now that neighbors is gone gosh and that's well, with Corey. well i wouldn't even know where to find cory here it's got to be on one of the maybe it's on uk tv on the pay tv network but tell me what is it in curry for me to go across? What should, what's going to hook me in? I think just having watched the last week of Neighbours, it's it's very similar. It's about families, <laughs> relationships. There's great comedy in Coronation Street. And I, I, what, what was interesting for me is being able to watch a soap that was set in another country and kind of picking out bits of their culture and saying, oh, that's a bit like us or that's a bit different to us. And I think yeah. you might find it interesting to, to see what what northern UK life is like. And are they all on the one street, like Ramsey Street? Yeah, pretty much, pretty much. There's okay. uh, Over the years, because I mean, I was uh, the, the show's been going for over 60 years now, and it started yeah. off as, as an interior cardboard set, basically. <laughs> yeah. And yeah. It, it has expanded over the years. So there's a couple of extra roads coming off it now. But yeah, there's... <laughs> There's a lot more houses in Corrie than there are on, on Ramsey Street. Yeah. There's a lot, the, the, the main cast is a lot bigger. There's about like 80 people, 80 regulars on the cast at the moment. Wow. So um, that's intriguing but, in itself. Yeah. So there, there's an awful lot to, 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 to take in, I guess, if you're a new viewer and, to it. But I, I know of an excellent Coronation Street podcast that can well, you in on the, the, the background details. Well, <laughs> I could also just listen to you guys and you just, you get, and if I get up to speed and feel familiar enough, then I can jump in. Well, you could, also, that'd, be a, yeah, that'd be a very good idea. I'll look out for some Aussies too. You mentioned Rebecca Ritters. She's now a German journalist. Well, she's a journalist in Germany. Oh yeah. So she, she was, yeah, she was in Coronation Street for just a couple of episodes. Um, yeah few decades ago so that's interesting and we also we sent over um uh, ryan thomas to you um he was in who i can't uh, he played yes. Raphael a couple of years ago yes. he, was in, he was in coronation street for a bit yeah every now and then someone would appear and we were all scratching our heads but half of the audience would be like oh okay that guy all right what's he doing what's he up to <laughs> well listen babe, it's been absolutely lovely chatting to you um this morning uh, this morning for me what time, yeah. what time is it for you, your, your, your evening? Nearly 9pm. Nearly 9pm, nearly noon so, for me. Well, thank you for coming. I'm, a, I'm, a, I'm about, sorry, I'm about to edit our, well, it's halfway edited, but I'm mm. going to listen to our, our recap of the finale. It's We recorded for two hours, which we've never done. Like we would usually cap it at an hour, but... Mm. It's, a big it's, one. <laughs> it's a lot of work being a podcaster isn't it I think yeah. uh, not everybody not everybody appreciates how much goes into it but no. but I definitely do so I, I will leave you to that and say thank you again very much for coming on to the podcast no worries and nice um to to yeah you. If, you, if you do end up getting into Coronation Street do get in touch definitely 100% <laughs> will do <laughs> right goodbye then see ya bye Oh, wasn't that lovely? So there you go. Thank you very much, Faye, yeah. for coming on the podcast. I, uh, that's cool. That's really, yeah, really, really cool to be yeah. able to speak to somebody, a fellow podcaster. <laughs> so someone that, you know, yeah. we can bond with that. that I, I'd, be, I'd love to know if she ends up uh, giving Coronation Street a try, whether we can convert her.
Yeah, why not? One <laughs> one by one. It just takes a 20-minute interview for each person. Yeah, to convert every single Australian to Coronation Street. <laughs> well, anyway, that is the end of this week's bonus podcast, everybody. I hope you uh, enjoyed listening to that. Well, thank you if you stayed on to the end, even though we haven't talked about Coronation Street on this episode for a good <laughs> hour or so, but I don't know. But, you know, it was a, it was a special week, a sad week for soaps. It's always uh, sad to, to lose one of our, our fellow soaps, but um, hopefully... Um, Hopefully that's going to be the last for a while and Corrie well, keeps on going as well. Of course. And also would like to um, shout out to our uh, neighbours loving Conversation Street listeners. Like yes, we do have John. A, we do have many. There's quite a few. Um, John did try very heroically to help us understand what was going on. Yeah, he did, yeah. Um, but sadly, my brain... Yeah, Rebecca's also into Neighbours. She says that she, she listens to the Neighbours podcast. Yeah, that's well, right, so yeah. There's that. quite a few people um, who, who hopefully are still listening, so um, we're, we're sorry for Right, that is it then for this week's episode. We'll be back at the weekend for our um, summing up of what's been going on in Coronation Street this week. But until then, um, goodbye from me, goodbye from Gemma. Goodbye. Goodbye, see you. The music for this episode came from podcastthemes.com. Bye.